have reached the end of the year episode. Welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast that is presented by the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts that you hear every single week. My name is Mitch, and with me I have... Kyle Zervinsky. And... Boozy. Anthony Buziak. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. Right, Boozy? Great. Uh, You come in with so much energy, you remind me of that... um... Kermit the Frog meme, where it's just like him like flailing. Do you know what I mean? I can only keep oh, yeah. up with so many of your frog memes, my, Boozy, so I'm sorry. That's different, that's, uh, sorry, maybe it's that's a, more of a classic. Muppet. Yeah, it's a cla- classic Kermit, Kermitism? Kermit okay. felt. Well, it's, yeah. an, it's an exciting episode. This is an exciting time. We're talking about our 10 favorite horror movies of the year. It's been a crazy year. Uh, so today we're going to celebrate, uh, we're going to say goodbye to the year. By celebrating our top 10 favorite horror movies individually. Welcome to the Terror Awards 2020. Yes. But first, uh, before we get into things, uh, we are going to hop right into our top 10s. We're not going to be doing any, like, well, what have we been seeing, any of that stuff. Uh, we're going to do our top 10s, go from 10 to 1 each, well, each take a turn. And then we'll do some honorable mentions. And then we are going to address some emails that we got from you listeners. Uh, so stick around for that. And then after all of that is said and done... Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different, and we are going to also name off our top 10 favorite albums of the year. Uh, so nothing to do with horror. Maybe a couple of these albums have some something in there for horror fans, but uh, this is really just a couple extra recommendations from the Terror Table. Over the years, we have had the pleasure of speaking with a lot of different listeners, and it seems like people like hearing our musical interests and like what we're listening to, and people always want recommendations. So uh, we're, this is that episode where you're going to find that. But before we get things going, uh, I'd like to send a thank you out to all of the amazing guests that we've had on the show this year. Uh, You guys feel free to comment whenever you want. But we had Aaron B. Kuntz on, director of Scare Package and The Pale Door. Uh, We also had Brandon Christensen, the director of Stillborn and Z. We had Adam McDonald on, who's one of our favorite filmmakers. He was our first real guest that we had uh back real, then, and oh, we did so much better the second time yeah like that was our first skype interview ever and it was a train wreck for us but uh, uh luckily i think it turned out all right for him and um whoever listened but that that was a big one for us because we love that guy's movies uh we're super excited to talk to him again and kind of have a redo uh but mm-hmm. we also had we had michael peterson the director of knuckleball and the producer of harpoon and uh, the upcoming werewolf film Bloodthirsty. We also had Greg Thomas from End, the the band End. That was the first musician we've ever had on the show, and uh, that's why I am not counting. I'm not counting Jesse Sowetsky or Jason Hamill or any of those people who are in. Fake yeah, they're bands. talentless hacks, honestly. Justin, oh, yeah, right. Justin Bruce. We're only <laughs> counting. We're only counting people who are in real bands like Greg Thomas and End and Misery. Or he used to be in Misery Signals. Yeah, if there's a um, stripped down connection, then it doesn't quite count. Yes, agreed. <laughs> that's a very local joke, and I love it, Kyle. I'm here for it. Uh, we also had the band Driveways on a couple months ago. Yeah, it was in October. Really that was did, a yeah. ton of fun. We had Jamie Nash on the show, the writer and l- writer of a ton of movies that we love, like Lovely Molly and Exists. And uh, he's yeah, the guy was he was one of my favorite episodes just because he was such a good guy. It was so much fun. He to had talk he him. had so much fun, and he didn't even know he was going to have it. Yeah, so if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to our episode with Jamie and Ash. That was an awesome episode. Uh, we also, for our three or four year anniversary, we had an Eduardo Sanchez, the co director and co writer of the Blair Witch Project. That was fucking huge, boys. A monumental occasion. 
And I'm not what a saying wild that, year. I'm not doing this all to flex. I'm just saying that these are the positive things that have come out of this pandemic. No, it's us. okay. This is a flex. It's okay to flex every now and then, Mitch. No, don't, man, but don't the, be shy. These, these things would not have happened if it wasn't for this pandemic. Um, I'm not saying that this is the good, that the pandemic was the way. Right. <laughs> Uh, but it's just, you know, we worked with what we had and it ended up being a really great year for the show. We also had on recently Jonathan and Michael Cuertas, who are a couple guys that you need to keep mm-hmm. an eye out for. Um, that and episode was he, awesome. Thanks, man. I'm happy you liked it. And yeah, we're in the new year. We're going to we're going to keep doing this guest thing. It's it's kind of new to the terror table. I think we're going to work out some kinks, try and get better at uh, handling guests. But we we generally we're we're like anyone listening. We're fans of this stuff. So we kind of end up geeking out with these people. They they think they're coming into something professional, but really they're getting three neckbeards who are just obsessed with them. Uh, we like right. praising the people that make content that we adore. So, yeah. yeah. Like, for the record, um, Eduardo's call dropped out while we were talking to him, and he still came back willingly. So that's Dude, how you know that it was okay. That you know was and that's a really good thing to mention is that we lost the call in the last like fifteen minutes. And we're like, oh, fuck, well, we don't have a cell phone number or anything. Like, we just have email. And so we were just sitting on Skype being like, well, at least what we got was fun. And then he popped back into the conversation. And he wanted to come and finish it because he was having a good time, too. Uh, yeah, unless finishes. he's like some sort of deep level sociopath, he it's definitely like had a good time guy. with us. Yeah, oh, he, yeah, it was like, it was a great time. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then, yeah, like also this year, shout out to all of our friends who joined us on the show. You you heard from Scott Hamilton and Tyler Baptist and Seb yeah. Asterio on our Nightmare on Elm Street retrospective, which was huge. That was the that was the biggest retrospective we've done yet. Um, yeah, and more, more of those are coming because I don't know about you guys, but that was one of my highlights of the podcast this year. I think it was, was for me, too, to be totally honest. Nice to spend so much time and like incubate some awesome ideas. Totally. Yeah. You also, you heard from Bevan Boychuk and Daniel Epler of the Cobwebs podcast on our Universal Monster Horror series. Um, I was joined by my good pal, David Hopkins from Erie International to discuss The Last of Us Part Two, uh, which was uh, a very well received episode. And uh, I think I've always thanked people for that. But that was that was something different for us, too. We don't normally do long form reviews of video games or long form discussions, but David really represented on that episode. So if you have played that game and you need something to listen to and you haven't heard that, go and check that episode out. That was a ton of fun with David. Um, we also had our good friends and pro wrestlers, Mitch Clark and Jude Dawkins on the show. That was the old boy episode where the we did an entire episode and didn't record Jude's mic. All right. By accident. The, the mic wasn't What on. a year. That, that's wild that that happened this year. That was this year. year. That, yeah. yeah that was, like, that's see, wild. That was one of the first ones. So I think we get a pass. But that was before. Like, that was right when the pandemic was just about to hit. That's true. Because right. they, they, were, they were in town for wrestling. <laughs> like they were wrestling in Saskatoon. Right. Um, but oh, I was trying to see Smash Mouth. That was yeah, this that's year. what you were doing. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> but both those guys are awesome. I know we've become really good friends with Mitch Clark. We're going to go Sasquatch hunting with him this summer, and I can't wait. Or next. Oh, that's going to be incredible. Yeah, love Mitch Clark. Love Jude Dawkins. Both of them are awesome dudes. Uh, you heard from our our new friend Cassie, who is a part of one of our highest performing episodes of the year with our Hereditary episode. Um, Cassie's going to be coming back for sure because that was one of the. I think we all agreed that that was one of our favorite episodes we've ever recorded. Uh, just because it was so nice to talk to someone so much smarter than us. Like, w- like we need to clarify how smarter. Like, <laughs> if you were to take the three of us, maybe, like, times it by seven, add a couple cherries, like, Cassie's still smarter than that. You know what I'm saying? Dude, and we, we, she left us all though? speechless. 
Remember Absolutely. that? There was, a, there was a moment where we all were like, what do we say? It wasn't even <laughs> silence. It was like a moment of appreciation. It was just right. like, well, yeah. the three of us became the listeners. Like we, yes. we, and I really hope people get that. Like the effect that I had just listening to her, I hope people get that on a semi regular basis for us. They got like a free seminar, you know? Totally. Which, yeah. which is maybe what they call a good podcast. Yeah, that was, it was awesome. Um, but we have also, of course, been joined by John Allison and Jeff Drake of the Saskatoon Fantastic Film Festival. And uh, yeah, those guys are going to be on multiple more times. As long as the festival is going, they will be, ba- they will be here. Um, and we also had appearances from my sister Tara and my girlfriend Courtney. People, for some reason, like hearing from Courtney. Um, so yeah. Well, I don't know why. She she yells a lot. She she's so loud. She's obnoxious. She's an asshole. I'm just kidding. No, Uncalled Uncalled Mitch is, it's so funny when, when she's on there because Mitch is just like waiting for her to do something. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> she's my boo. She's my boo. Um, but yeah. Last yeah, okay, seriously though. John Alice John Allison built and maintains our website at theterratable.com. So make sure you thank check you. out theterratable.com yeah. and thank you so much for all of the help this year, John. You have been amazing and uh, one of the you know thriving forces behind the show that has made it more fun to do it every week. Do you and feel about- like John is maybe trying to get like his OnlyFans page kind of within our He's trying to hook yeah. it up to the terror table. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. There's feel... a couple like dead links, you know, a couple yeah. random links. In yeah. there. I, I would easily pay for a John OnlyFans, but it would huh. just be of him like hanging pictures around his house in weird fucking places. Is that how OnlyFans Bo- works? Bo- Can you do that? Bo- Boozy always makes fun of him for, uh, that, for the way he hangs some pictures or how some pictures are hung in his house. Quick question, you guys. Can you be on OnlyFans and not be showing your asshole? Or, I like... was just wondering the exact same thing. I'm not sure. Well, who's going to moderate that? Is someone going to be like, "Whoa, there is not enough skin in this"? Well, no, right, but, but is I, it I, kind of like a is it kind of like a prerequisite? <laughs> yeah, like do you do you have to show do you have to hang brain to be on OnlyFans? Uh, I think you might have if, to, man. Well, that's the thing because like I I I don't know I know nothing I know next to nothing about OnlyFans right now, but. I wish I had an Alexa just to yell that. Like, hey, Alexa, Uh, do you have to show brain? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. Well, yeah, above all else, thank you to each and every one of you who tunes into our show each week. It really means a lot. And you guys all make this so much fun to do. Uh, We just celebrated four years. And here's to five. Looking forward to seeing what we do this year. And check out. Uh, the Cherry Falls episode with our buddy Colin Sean was on the show as well. Was that this year? If there's anybody we missed, I don't have the I know, I feel bad. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I but just remember now. And, I, and you know, I see. Oh, that's I, my, I that's my say, bad. Yeah, that's my bad because Colin Sean was on. I thought that that was in December for some reason. Um, but no, thank it was, you. I remember it was around the time Invisible Man came out. I think that was. This oh, year. right, it was because you guys. Okay, yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah, that totally slipped. That was at the very, very beginning of the yeah, year. So I, that I apologize. Was, that was a while back. I'm I not calling but... anyone out. I'm just appreciating. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, we're like ten minutes into this thing. Let's get into it. Do you guys want to talk about our favorite horror movies of the year? First of all, I want to know from you guys. What did you guys think of this year overall as horror fans? Well, okay. I'll go. I'm going to go first here. I think initially. I thought, okay, a bit of a rocky year for film in general, just because of like the state of things. So many weird releases, some only in theaters for some fucking reason, some only on VOD, some on Disney Plus, Shutter, Prime, 
all over the fucking map, right? It's been a weird year for movies, but at the same time, it's been a fantastic year for movies. I really do think that. And I think horror um, is in that same category. I think there's a lot of good flicks that came out this year. And I think it's just a good example of the fact that this was a interesting training ground of a year where you could really a lot of movies that probably weren't even going to come out this year came out this year do you know what i mean like yeah. some of these things got like digital releases that maybe would have got even stranger releases in a normal like uh right, economy right. so uh i don't there know was, there's a lot I, of adapting I, and surviving this year that's exactly there, there's what also a, there's a couple of movies that we got that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the pandemic that is a very um, very good point which you know i would obviously i would yeah, take like borat too yeah, yeah, like Borat. Hey, that's true. Did you guys watch Borat too? We we haven't talked about. It. Did yes. you guys watch it? Oh, I definitely did. It's so yeah, good. It's, it's fucking really hilarious. Yeah, it's, it's so some funny. of the best satire I've seen about like life in general. Uh, okay, well, yeah. So Kyle, Kyle definitely gives this year a thumbs up when it comes. I'm giving to it film. a thumbs up, absolutely. Uh, and I think uh, you know, even putting together this list, I was apprehensive to some extent of like what I was going to compile. But when I came down to make this list, I was like, you know what? There was a lot of good shit that came out. So. Without a doubt, I'm giving a thumbs up. Hell yeah. What about you, Boozy? You know, I, I wrestled with this idea because I thought we were going to talk about it. I was actually going to bring it up on my own, but I'm glad you did. Is I was really I was really scorned and upset this year because of Halloween Kills. I feel that yeah. was that was and I think a lot of people forgot about that. And then that, I don't think that, so. I think that's one of the biggest disappointments of the year, without a doubt, is not getting oh, totally. Year. But it's just there. There was kind of that that gap around Halloween there, and, and even before where it was what was going to come out. And I felt at the start of the year it was kind of slow, even though we did have an amazing banger right off the bat. But to round <laughs> out this, uh, to round out this year overall, I am super impressed. There, there's some stuff that that's a bummer that it's not going to be on my list, and not because they're not amazing films, but maybe because um, there are other stuff on here that were so much more creative. Yeah, or they just resonate with you. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, or resonate more. Sorry, I'm not yeah. trying to put down any. There, there's yeah, stuff on here no. that is that is amazing. I could have done a top ten, like uh, honorable mentions. <laughs> like this, this has been. I know you guys. Obviously, we all know here that I probably watched the most out of all of us. That's yeah. no. <laughs> I was going to ask, I, do you know how many films you watched this year? I mean, you must be able to. Yeah. Man, la last year I kept track, but I don't know about this year. I'm sure I could find out from Letterboxd. Letterboxd uh, tells you. I don't know about like there new were, films. But, but the thing is, yo, do you ever watch movies where you, and you don't log them on Letterboxd? Because I'm religious about I log everything. But there were a couple movies I watched this year that I was like, oh, I'm not going to put that on there. Like, I watched Trainwreck. <laughs> <laughs> what what's Train the one you wreck? don't the amy schumer the amy schumer movie hey there's some oh. there's some there's some really funny mo moments oh, no, in that movie. no i'm not shitting on it just that's funny that that's the one you decide not to log for some well, reason it was funny because i can't remember what week it was but i was watching like all of these prestige movies and it was like oh yeah four stars four and a half five stars and it's like how would it look if i just put train wreck in this middle <laughs> I used to not log things back in the day, like when I first started Letterboxd, and I really regret it now, actually. So now yeah. I log everything. <laughs> no, and that's why, yeah, I, I log everything that I can. I, I know that there's probably two or three that I didn't log. And, of course, I, I don't log the movies that we don't show at the festival that we watch. But right, yeah, um, yeah. I can say from being on that end of things, the, the new year, 2021, is already looking like an awesome year for horror <laughs> movies, you guys. Especially if you're fans of, like, really like it's people are responding to the way the world is right now so you're seeing a lot of really depressing and really like slow burn movies but there's some really really good stuff out there 
I spent today, I looked, um, I've lost sleep over this episode, uh, honestly, like I, cause I'm like so worried about leaving out a movie that I love because I think this is the best year in horror that we've had since we started the podcast. Um, and looking back on my list of the last couple of years, it's like, yeah, we have, there's way more like blockbuster movies and everything, but the stuff I saw this year was really creative, really, there was a lot of really original things. And overall, I just thought it was such a strong year, especially for horror Obviously, film in general took a hit because of the pandemic. And uh, I know that like Kyle and I specifically, we watch a lot of like non-horror stuff and like we like to keep up with Oscar stuff and just like, you know, world cinema, indie movies around the world. We try and keep up with that, but there's only so much we can take in during a pandemic. But we got a ton of horror stuff in particular, horror delivered this year. And I think we needed it. It's what saved me. And uh, I'm really excited about this list and to share all these movies with everyone listening. So you guys, damn. Let's do it. Fucking rights. All right, let's start off at number ten. Number ten. We're at ten, boys. Who wants to go first? Um, I want to go, Kyle. Okay, go, Kyle. Kyle Boozy, me. Does that work? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. Um. All right, guys. Are you ready? Wow. Wow. It's that time already. Okay. Okay. Number ten. Number ten. Harpoon. Kingfoot lettuce. Are you actually choosing harpoon? I am, and I need to clarify this is maybe a little bit of a cheat, because it's technically a 2019 release, however, I saw it in 2020, so I don't fucking care. It didn't get distribution until 2020. The the people who saw it in 2019 were us who were at the film festival or a different festival, something like that. Uh, So yeah, Harpoon, uh, (laughs) produced by Michael Peterson. Thank you for uh, giving me a co-sign on this. Yeah, I remember I actually, loving that so much when we had it at the, great the festival. And I wish I wish I was there for that because I would have loved to see this movie in a theater. I had a fucking blast with this. To be honest, um, uh, I don't uh, really know. You, you just you, you got to just start supporting film. Well, maybe one of these days. <laughs> maybe one of these days I'll get off my ass and uh, and look at a film. Yeah, Kyle, what have you uh, done for the film <laughs> look industry at a film. lately? <laughs> yeah. Let me. I'm staring. Yeah, whatever. Fuck you guys. Um. Anyways. Uh. Love like you. I was gonna say, <laughs> I went into this movie uh, with absolutely like nothing to expect. I did not know what I was getting myself into. Um, I just wanted to make actually, to be completely honest, I wanted to make myself familiar with the guest coming on the show, Michael Peterson, just to be familiar with uh, his other films uh, like Knuckleball and then this film that he helped produce, Harpoon. Harpoon is not uh, uh, directed by Michael Peterson; it's directed by Rob Grant. Um, but this is absolutely a film that you everyone should be checking out if you haven't seen it already. To me, this is. This is the kind of film I like where it spends the it takes the time to really develop three unique characters and have them work together in a really uh, hellish way. And I think Harpoon yeah. does a great job of that. Um, and it, in some ways, it's actually not the kind of film that I normally would get a lot out of. But it's the performances, charisma and chemistry that these three characters have that just pulls this idea off that maybe you've seen before to some extent, but in a really, really unique way. And um, yeah, I love it. I, I really, really enjoy Harpoon. I would. I would highly recommend it. And for the record, Harpoon, number 10. Not Spear Gun. <laughs> Not Spear Gun. But yes, record. no, yeah, I co- co-sign on that one. I know Boozy does as well. Uh, but I'm happy to know that you like, because that's a movie that uh, for people out there who have seen this other movie, I would compare it to Cheap Thrills, but it's a very yeah, different yes. movie. Right, it's, yeah. yeah. It's that's very a different, I, but it's I got have... the, the skeleton of Cheap Thrills. I'm going to have this weird, you know, like psychological thing with mean-spirited nature as my as my time on the show goes on, clearly. <laughs> you but picked maybe a Harpoon perfect is an genre example. to do that for. 
There you go. You're I on really a horror podcast. <laughs> and I guess for the record, Harpoon is what works for me, I guess, if that's an Hell example. Yeah. So, Hell yeah, Harpoon. Go. All right, Kyle's number 10. And I mean, we, we do stand for Monroe Chambers. Oh, we are, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. Monroe Chambers I'll, stands. Uh, maybe it's a we'll known put, fact. Uh, we'll put the Degrassi pillow on the ground. Maybe Turbo so. Kid and fucking Knuckleball. Please, please post the, the Degrassi pillow on the ground. I'll post it. I'll do it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, number 10. Uh, number 10. <laughs> I'm going to go with a Russian film that Mitch is head over heels for, which is Sputnik. Hell yeah. Sputnik. So, this is the first film for uh, Igor. Abramenko? Abramenko? I'm the, really bad with that. The names. intention was there. The good intention yeah. was there. Yeah. So clearly this is a love letter to to alien, to to sci-fi horror. And I think it does a really good job of setting itself apart with having a great secondary story, which is where a lot of sci-fi horror movies that try to play off of an alien style film will lose it they'll they'll have kind of that scare front and there's no real character development behind that whereas this film relies a ton on um what would you, like moral dilemmas honestly it, yeah. it does become a big part of this film and and a lot of it is looking at through that lens of uh the soviet control like that soviet eye um, and having that that watch over uh, your civilians and that that total control over everybody, it's a very interesting film. Wow, it's one of the best things you gave me this year, Boozy. You were the one who brought that one to my attention, and <laughs> I remember I, I I checked it out like uh, instantly when it came out, and I was just gushing about it to you for a while. And I'm I'm so happy that you enjoyed it as well. Awesome. Yeah, so that's my number ten. Cool, my number ten. Um, so I will say. I love every single movie on this list. Like I said, I could have done a top 10 of my runner-ups. Uh, so number like the number 10 spot was a tough one to choose, but I just had to give it to it. I know that this is a movie that a lot of other people are going to talk about this year. You guys might talk about it on this episode. My number 10 is The Invisible Man. Uh, so this was the second, or this was the last film I saw in the theater before a pandemic hit, like how what everyone dealt with. Um, but this is Lee, I just think Lee Winnell crushed his vision. And I personally think that this is his best work to date as a director. I know a lot of people really love Upgrade. That's also a gr really fun, cool movie. But I think he took it to another level in The Invisible Man. Um, even though I can't stand her as a human, uh, Elizabeth Moss really commits to this role, which ca it carries the movie. Her commitment to the movie. What? She's a Scientologist. I know, I know, I know. She's awful. We And she's got permanent smelling fart face. You know, like when right. someone farts. Yeah, okay, that's that's too far, Mitch. You can't say. I think I think that is the perfect way to describe that. Is everybody knows like that? You see someone across the room who's they look like they smelled the fresh one. Yeah, you're just, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're like, oh man, yeah. I, I'm Elizabeth sorry Moss. that had to happen to you. Like, so she does the fart face like crazy throughout this movie, but uh, I found this movie super exciting, and it reminded me of a type of thriller that we just don't get anymore. Um, like the highlights of the film for me were the restaurant scene and the hospital scene. They were some of the most exhilarating moments yeah, of the, the year for the me. The hospital yeah. scene, it was great. Totally. And I, I, I thought that it was fairly unpredictable for what it was and like the way that it, they would go about things. Obviously, there's some cliches that they touch on. It's a Hollywood movie. This is meant for mainstream people. And like this is, it was almost like a date event for people to go see domestic abuse. 
Um, but I, it's true though. Like that, it was a date movie. Kyle took his headphones out right for that part. <laughs> I just said it was a date movie for domestic abuse. Um, yeah, I'm gonna maybe pretend they're still out. But um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, I loved The Invisible Man. Uh, that is my number 10. Also, it, it grew on me on a repeat watch. Uh, this is one year that I'm very I'm I'm happy to have had the time to rewatch a lot of these movies. A lot of my top 10 I've watched twice now. And uh, this is oh, one of the look minute... at you, big boy on campus. Ooh, what, I've what seen I'm... every movie forty-two <laughs> times. What I'm meaning, what I'm meaning to get at, is that Kyle, your original podcast was called the Second Viewing. Your That's whole show point. was based around how the, you don't really know a movie until you see it twice, and that is a philosophy that I live by and agree with entirely. And uh, the Invisible Man is one of the ones that got better with a second watch. So. That's my number 10. On to number nines, boys. Okay, first of all, how should we deal with this with if we have crossover? Okay, fair enough. Um, I think just, we'll just try to keep, keep it as short it quiet, as we can. Keep it moving. Yeah, just if we've already quiet. talked about it, we won't uh, dwell on it. Unless yeah. there's something really specific just, that hasn't come up yet, then, yeah. you know. I don't want to make people listen to the same thing over and over again, but I think we can all be pretty good about not covering what other people have said, maybe. Uh, and yeah, we're not going to st- spend an extended amount of time on each entry, so... Uh, all right. Well, I guess we're on the same page. Let's go to number nine. Kyle, what's your number nine of 2020? Number nine. Host. Ooh. Host. Host, baby. So this was one actually that um, I, when I was putting this list together, it was actually like not even in the top 10 at first, to be completely honest. But then I had, to, the more I thought about it, the more host has really stuck with me. And I think a lot of it actually comes down to the runtime of host. As someone who never watches any movies, of course you like the 56 minute long one. I think it's fucking, it's kind of a power move to do that though. I have to be completely honest. I think it's sick. It's like, why it, it, it kind of fits like thematically with the idea of like a quarantine film about the quarantine, a shot during the quarantine using zoom, a platform kind of adopted by this year in the quarantine. And then kind of just not giving a fuck about traditional runtime. I think that is actually pretty punk in a lot of ways. I think that's sick. So mm-hmm. the mo- that, the movie that is... was something that I really appreciated, uh, kind of pondering on this one again. Uh, and yeah, I think, uh, you know, we, we, we have talked about host quite a bit in the past, so you can hear some of our thoughts on that, but I will just say now, like, I think this movie has actually, gonna, is going to actually last the, the test of time. I think, uh, going, I didn't watch all of it again, but I went back just to make sure. I was like, okay, did I actually really enjoy this? Like, was it just kind of like a a recency bias at the time because it was felt so flashy and new? And honestly, I think the answer is yes, it will hold up. I think there are a lot of things in this movie that are clever, are unique, and sort of push this style of horror and in a positive way. I think. Uh, Maybe sure, like the the general premise isn't anything new. I think that's probably the biggest distractor to this film, or maybe some biggest criticism you give it. But I don't know. I think I had a fucking blast watching this, and I felt like the overall experience was very authentic, which I think is what like really makes it shine. So yeah, I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on Host? Yeah, I'm well. I'm happy you asked because this is one that I left off my list, and I am saying that I I also fully admire and love the short runtime and especially since it played a role in the movie the the movie is as long as a zoom call apparently I, i'm not very familiar yeah, yeah. with zoom but that so it, it makes sense that it's shorter but also mm-hmm. it's like one of the best found footage movies maybe ever because it cuts out all of the garbage that you don't want to see <laughs> like it cuts out all the pointless ever? shit 
Oh man, I think I, I would say it's up there. From what I, I've I, seen, I, I think it's definitely. Up there. And I'm a fan of. I, I, found no, footage I'm not saying it's not a great movie. Yeah, it's no. I think, and I'm with Kyle in saying that this is going to be a movie that's going to be looked back on for years. Like people are going to be talking about Host for years, and it will probably always be known as like the COVID movie because it did come. But that's the genius. That's part yeah. of the genius about it. Think about we have now been given this pandemic is all restrictions this is like uh, making filmmakers as restricted as humanly possible and they found a way to pull off a movie during all this that's amazing um so i i totally it's in it's in my honorable mentions but i am saying that the i i'm how i'm getting away with not putting a movie that i love i love host in my top 10 is by saying that it's not an it's not a full length runtime, even though I'm fully aware of even though I'm fully aware. I'm, wow. I'm, I'm using I'm using that as an excuse. I'm using it as an excuse and my way out uh, just because I didn't want to leave other movies off the list. Then why bring it up? I feel gaslit. Whatever. <laughs> wow. 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 You've been hanging out with me for about a year or two years, and this is the first time you feel gaslit. I'm gonna go no comment on that one. <laughs> All right, so Kyle's number nine is host. <laughs> Boozy. What's your number nine? My number nine is the rental. Ooh, oh. Dave Franco. I, I feel like that's such a great film. It was a great debut. Um, it was. Do you guys feel like that movie was a little vague? I feel like toward towards the end it was a very vague film, which is there's sorry, there's a point to this is I think that people should like the open house if they like this movie. Oh my god, no, this is so stupid. <laughs> I never, a stupid, I've never yeah. checked out the rental yet. And that, it's it's a stupid conversation watch. to have, Boozy. I'm sorry, but like I'm just telling you that the rental is a better made movie. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's not, but I think in terms of those vague slasher films, which this is one of them, and I love it, I think You it's would call open house a slasher stupid. film? Totally. Okay. We, anyway. okay, this is from 2016. We're holding on to B from 2016. <laughs> the rental. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to this forever. <laughs> anyway, the rental. Amazing, amazing cast. I think there there's a great swerve halfway through this film that makes it an excellent film to watch on repeat. Fair enough. Kind yeah. of a sicko mode, really, in a way. But would you would you think of it as sicko? As as a sicko mode? Yeah, kind of like the like the beat switches, you know, like in sicko mode. Yes, eyes closed, gleaming. You already I, know, guys. We're, My we're boy would probably do it all for the good. belt. Yeah, that song's awesome. Oh yeah, I think sicko yeah. mode's still good. Oh come on, Boozy. Okay, <laughs> my number nine. My number nine is a film called Impedigor. Oh. Uh, so this one oh. is. Yeah, this one, it's an Indonesian horror movie, which is directed by Joko Anwar. I hope that's how you pronounce his name, but he's the writer-director behind the film Satan Slaves, which uh, I believe, I guess that was a remake. I didn't know that, but it's a remake of his own movie or something. Either way. Cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bold I, to remake your own movie. Well, yeah, Michael Haneke did it. There's lots of people who've done that, but uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I Impedigore was one that I went in blind on, and it was just one of the many movies on Shudder this year that blew me away. Uh, I watched it again today to make sure it wasn't, like, I wasn't just, like, maybe, you know, caught in the juice or caught in the moment of being, like, <laughs> was this really, as, I don't know. I just, I wasn't sure if it was as good as I thought it was, but on repeat viewing, it is, and uh, I would say that this has the best opening scene of the year. It's maybe one of the best cold opens in horror in a while. Uh, the film itself goes from intense to creepy to disturbing and then back to intense. 
And there's some gnarly ideas thrown at the screen here. And I think it's one of the most memorable movies of the year. Uh, it's so crazy that you can't help but either laugh or just completely cover your face. So it's uh, I definitely recommend this one. But that once again, that is Impedigore on Shudder. Wow. That's, That's one prize. I missed. But but I'm, uh, I'm hoping to peep game on that because that looks really, really cool. I think you would dig that one. Uh, let's go to number eight. Kyle, what's your number eight of 2020? Number eight, underwater. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think the thing with underwater um, is, I think it's clearly flawed in some places. So this is where I need to make a I need to make a large disclaimer and let everyone know that this is obviously just our opinions. These are not the best. All, these are not the definitive list of best horror films of the year. These are my favorites that I saw. Um, and when I think back to the best horror experiences I've had this year, watching Underwater was absolutely just a fucking blast for me. I think it's kind of the, you know, I, I think we get a lot of films like Underwater, admittedly. But at the same time, a lot of those films lack what this film succeeds in. And I think it's a lot of that passion and dedication to what it's trying to pull off. Because you could compare this movie to, obviously, Alien and a lot of other films that are just, have they have that DNA in this movie. But I think Underwater has so much um, charm that I can't help but fucking have a blast while I'm watching this movie. I think Kristen Stewart fucking kills it. I try to forget T.J. Miller was there. I understand. <laughs> but beyond beyond that, I think this movie, you, you'd have to be somewhat soulless to not enjoy watching Underwater. I honestly believe that. This it has movie a court is, for everybody. There's, like, it, there's something, yeah. And how, how can you not, like... How can you not just respect kind of a tried and true, I don't want to call it formulaic, but I, I would call it like the narrative that it has is tried and true. And I think it pulls it off really, really well. Um, and yeah, if you haven't peeped this, definitely do so because it came out really early in the year. I think like in January, actually. Yeah, um, I think it was our first episode. So there you go. So definitely, if you want to hear more thoughts on that, you can definitely check out that episode. But I really, really enjoyed this movie. And when I think back on just like film in 2020 in general, this one actually does stick out for me. So I would, yeah, I highly recommend Underwater. Sweet. Very underrated film. I think so too. I don't know. Yeah. Boozy, number eight. Okay. So there's a quick backstory for this one going on. I would have had this movie on my list this year, but I believe it came out last year, which was Color Out of Space. So I saw the yeah, Color Out of Space this year. Still but counts. Okay, there, there's a switcheroo on that one. I would definitely count that if I could. I considered that last year. So I'm going to switch with this pick, which is I actually really liked The Beach House. I think it incorporated a ton of things that I liked based on the... Um, oh, guys, help me out with the name here. Lovecraftian? Yes, the uh, the Lovecraftian elements. And mm. I, I love that there was a little bit of like a... There's a whimsicalness to it, and there was kind of a playfulness, and I, I like those aspects. I know Kyle was not a fan of this film at all. Yeah, I gotta say, was... this, one's a, this one's a stinker, Boozy, I'm yeah. not gonna lie, but it's okay. <laughs> that's that's, still that's love you. you, that's I you. I still love you, I still love and, you, it's no big deal. And I, it would I be really that... annoying if we all had the same list. <laughs> totally. A very good point. But I, I feel like this movie does a great job in immersing you in this kind of... Uh, vacation scenario gone wrong and just the reactions to it and i, I kind of like that and um i, I kind of like the the hopelessness it, it gives in a lot of scenes and and uh yeah that was that was cool. a great film for me this year i really enjoyed it awesome yeah that's the beach house at number eight for boozy uh my number eight the mortuary collection 
Uh, this is another Shutter film. Uh, this is an, an anthology movie. It's just a super fun and consistent anthology. Each stories are told by an eccentric mortician played by Clancy Brown. And I really loved his performance. And I've always been a big fan of like horror hosts. Like, you know, when there's someone who kind of guides you through the film or something, right, you Crypt right. Keeper-esque. Um, but I think his his character is really interesting and funny and enjoyable. And uh, there's just really cool practicals front to back. And there's not a bad segment in the whole movie. And that's something that is so rare for anthologies where like I'm not saying every segment is a five out of five, but like there isn't a bad segment in this movie. Right. And consistent. that's something that is it's... very, yeah, it's very consistent, very admirable. But it also had maybe one of the most memorable moments of the year for me. Uh, it's in the segment with the guy from Euphoria, the bully. I can't remember his name. Oh, that guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, oh, I, remember, I remember us talking about this, actually. Now. Yeah, but that, that segment still holds up. I watch it again. It holds up to be my my favorite of the whole film. But the movie itself, it's just a, it's a ton of fun. It's got uh, it, it has a lot of like it harkens back to the type of Amblin movies like with the whole kids on bike, Steven Spielberg um who's the yeah like there's danny elf it's out the score kind of feels like a danny elfman score and um it's just it's a really fun whimsical horror movie and i think it's going to be a favorite over the holidays especially like uh Octo like halloween season i think this is a great halloween watch even though it's not specifically set on halloween it just it has all of the ingredients that you want there uh so that's the mortuary collection that's my number eight Okay. Uh, number seven. I'm going to be peeping game on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we might have to just take a peep there, Boozy. <laughs> All right, I'm going to get into number seven here, guys. Number seven. Oh wait, this one. This one might be a hot take, actually. So fair, fair warning. Um, I did enjoy this movie, though, for the record. <laughs> number seven, The Dark and the Wicked. Okay. So, yeah. I, so I, this... <laughs> there's a so... lot of hot takes about this movie going around right now. So I think that's what you're meaning, uh, Kyle. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, of course, directed by Brian Bertino, uh, director of The Strangers, uh, The Monster. Uh, the man, the freaking dude. Uh, I think he produced uh, Black Coat's Daughter, I think I read yeah, that. Yeah, yes, um, he did. And this this movie is, it has a lot going for it, to be completely honest. Like, I think the only reason I was going to say it's a hot take is because I think I was ready to be blown away by this movie, but I still really enjoyed it. Uh, yes. I think what I, I think what it's going for, um, it generally succeeds in. And I think the number one thing that is just worth checking out this movie for is the tone. This movie has one of the best fucking like atmospheric tones in, that I've seen all year, to be completely honest for you. And like the way the reason I bring that up is because I think a lot of times in like really any movie and especially something that is supposed to be like inherently psychological, which in a lot of ways this film is, um, you have to succeed in that tone to make anything believable or anything, you know, any suspension of belief feel earned or justified. And I think this movie actually does that really well. So for me, that's what really made it a, a memorable experience. Uh, and also the two leads in this film are just fucking bomb. They're great. Uh, oh, Marin yeah. Ireland, I, I believe, uh, yeah. she kills it in this. People might re re recognize her from uh, the Umbrella Academy season two. She plays Sissy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen that, but. That's I still haven't seen it, but I, hey, it's, Michael, it's worth checking out. The second season's good. Yeah, and then there's also Michael Abbott Jr., uh, who who's been in a bunch of kind of like random things. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen like Mud or the Death of Dick Long. Oh, <laughs> he's Mud, Mud Two, Never Clean. 
Uh, mud tooth. I uh, no, that's 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 <laughs> from Nathan for you. Mud tooth, never clean. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's fucking hilarious. He's great that's in this good. though, Mister Mud. Uh, What's all the there... mud doing here? <laughs> oh man, I want to watch Nathan all this so mud. Yeah. It's so good. If you haven't watched Francis, Nathan for you, you, need you to. guys need to. You have to yeah. watch Nathan for you just so you can appreciate Finding Francis. Isn't anyways? Sure that's in Finding Francis. Is the mud too never clean thing? Because it, it, mud was filmed in his hometown. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it absolutely is. That's so fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, The Dark of the Wicked is a great fucking movie. Uh, <laughs> it has a. It has a kind of. I guess like sinister tone to it that uh, I think just like I mentioned fucking carries this movie throughout its runtime. There's some genuinely shocking scenes in this movie. Like I was absolutely, I was yeah. I'll I'll admit it. I was scared. I was a bit scared watching this. Kyle, to some um, did you get did you pussy, get the willies? Fucking bitch. <laughs> and uh, I actually think this movie. I think I might enjoy it more uh, as the years go by. There's a couple things in this movie that at this point are sort of like horror cliches that I've just seen too much recently that I think kind of pulled me out of it a little bit. That being said, if I watch this five years down the line, I might not fucking think about that. And I think I'll just it'll blend into like what the story actually is a bit better. Um, So that's really all I got to say about it. But yeah, absolutely enjoyed this movie and I would recommend it for those who haven't seen it. It's on VOD right now, so. And Shudder, I think. Uh, yeah, Peep the Dark and the Wicked. Oh, yeah. I believe it's coming to Shudder. Uh, right. But, uh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. All right, so Dark and the Wicked, number... That was your number seven, Kyle? That's my number seven. All right, Boozy, number seven. My number seven is a film that needs no introduction because we've talked about it so much this year, and we've talked to people about it, which is Scare Package. Ooh, you, you, okay, so you are pulling from last year. Which it, no, I, but it's they're technically released to, in twenty. I needed to for this one. The, this okay. yeah, this film was great. was so, and that's that's saying a lot that we watched this at the festival last year, and I'm still excited for it right totally. now. It was on and, my list last also, year. I want to I want to yeah. clarify just for people out there that I would have put this on my list as well this year. The great movie. Continue. Sorry. No, but I was just I was wanting to say that like that the lasting impact that that had and how funny it is and how like. There's a reason this film is is blowing up and it and has so much of a following right now, and it will kind of have that uh, basically that that creep show following. I feel it'll it'll eventually get to that point because yeah. it's it's it knows what it is and it knows what it's making fun of or or playing with and in yeah. the most respectful and fun way possible. And I think that's the best thing you can say about a movie like this. Couldn't have said it better, man. You killed it. Yeah, that's exactly nail on the head. It's just such a great ode to the genre. And with mm-hmm. a movie like that's also an anthology. So with that and the Mortuary Collection being out there and both on Shutter, mm-hmm. anthology horror is in a good place right now. We've got some really well, solid and, and anthology we, horror. Yeah. And, and if you even like, sorry, just to, one more thing I want to throw in there is that uh, like what we consider to be like really funny for most of us in terms of like comedy horror was kind of the what we do in Shadows, especially at the Terror Table. Yeah. And and I feel like this film does such a good job of holding up with that same kind of comedy, which is a very hard thing to do, but that makes it a little more timeless than jokes in the here and now. That's yeah. you know, that's totally. that's where your your scary movies fall apart, like especially yeah. the later ones. The most important thing for a movie like this being as meta as it is and uh like being the anthology that it is, it's just it spoke 
so clearly to the audience that it respects horror and its fans. Yeah, it's it spoke with laugh. the audience. Exactly. And it's, it's similar. I would compare it in, in, in some way to Cabin in the Woods for, yes, you're making fun of some things, but you're also pointing out that you have, you, you, this has become such a thing in like horror tropes that you love it. But it's, it's kind of just a fun thing to right. hark back to. And yeah, man, great pick, great pick, scare package. Sweet. So that was number seven. My number seven is a film that's already been talked about today, and that is Sputnik. Whoa. So this is the really, really wicked Russian alien body horror movie. That's the only thing I would pretty much add to Boozy's, uh, Boozy's review there is that this thing has got some amazing body horror. And uh, like a ton of others in this genre, which Kyle also talked about as well already, is Sputnik owes a lot to Alien. Um, but I think it also carves out its own unique spot in the genre and it takes some really big swings in terms of what they're what they're trying to pull off on a low budget. You'd be surprised looking at this movie to know that it is a low budget horror movie because it looks good. This thing yep. is filmed so well. Uh, you can tell that the director is definitely a fan of uh, David Fincher. Um, the parts of it, like, you know, I also I have Alien 3 fresh in my head because I just watched it the other day. There are moments of this that feel very Alien 3. Um, oh, totally. And, yeah. And that's that's a compliment to it, because I think this is something that like I think that this movie did a phenomenal job in filling that little gap in my soul where Alien Covenant took a hole out of. So Alien <laughs> Covenant was a disappointment for me. And um, I, I've obviously I've I've calmed down now. I'm trying not to be that toxic Star Wars fan who whines about a movie because you could just not watch it. But Alien is a very big franchise to me. I love that franchise. Wait, 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 wait. You could just not watch it. <laughs> yeah, I know it's crazy. What? I know I couldn't. I couldn't do that. I so need to watch everything. So, like, if you didn't want to watch Sorority Row, you could just choose not to. Okay. How, well, how we do we disconnect Kyle from the call? <laughs> I'm looking for the disconnect. Wow. Wow. He's getting <laughs> these wow. Sorority Row jokes going all year. But no, to wrap up Sputnik, I loved it. I thought this was a really wicked sci-fi horror movie. Um, I think they did some really interesting things. I would also, this would pair really well with like Overlord, like something along those lines. Right. Um, which is a movie that was on my top 10 last year, if not the year before I'm getting the years mixed up now, but yeah, what's time? What's time? Love, time yeah. I, I, I've seen a lot of hate for Sputnik online and I just don't get it. I, I don't, <laughs> but also I'm not here to, you know, everyone has their own opinions. So that's totally cool. But I just, this is a really fucking wicked sci-fi horror movie. And uh, I'm so happy Boozy put it on my radar because I probably wouldn't have heard about it until like this week when people are talking about it. But Boozy was like, Boozy sent me a text. I will never, I will not forget the day that I woke up to a text of the Sputnik trailer. And Boozy said, someone made a movie for us. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. And I, yeah, I came home from work that day and Courtney and I both watched it and we both just loved it. So my number seven is Sputnik. Keep an eye out for it. Huge, huge. Kyle, All right, I'm coming in hot. Down number to six. level six. Let's do it. Yeah, Boozy was gym. just was just dabbing, by the way, and it was it's yeah, kind of like nice. I haven't seen haven't seen a dab in a minute, so thanks, man. Yeah, um, uh, okay, n number six. I got a film here that has already been talked about, and a lot of people have talked about this year in general, and that is The Invisible Man. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I <laughs> Mitch said it really well. One more can be said about this. Movie. I didn't realize Kyle liked this movie so much. Honestly, I that's did, just actually. that's just me being real right here. Yeah, this, I think, well, this was also the last film I saw in the theater. Yeah. Yeah, it was the last film I saw in the theater, period, which um, 
it might you again. Might... You texted me after you saw it, and you were like, "Man, that spooked me." <laughs> it did. <laughs> I, got, I was fucking spooked. Like there's some really good Kyle scares in that movie. Tells us he's spooked. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Um, I, I remember just being so tense, like throughout most of the film, and you know, I remember like the third act of the film, in a way, feels a bit over the top, but it's just there's so much emotion leading up to that part of the film that it is absolutely effective and earned and to me this is just this is like this this is a hollywood picture you know this is this yeah. is going to the movies like you said a, a date movie i won't mention the rest of what you said well, but this it's is like in a way <laughs> it's like a new age with basic, best gal. it's like a new age basic instinct but the problem is it doesn't have any of the romance there because well, like that's the point of the movie is that there's no romance it's the, right, it's an abuse right. story but Thank at the same time it plays it plays out more sense now. it plays out like an erotic thriller well, I, I, yeah, yeah, I think it like absolutely has like a, body has notions of that. I think if anything, I would just consider it a crowd pleaser. I think this is just absolutely a film that it's a good popcorn film. Wow, I, I guess it, Kyle yeah. thinks domestic abuse is crowd pleasing. Um, again, gaslit. That's a quote. In the that's past a quote. Twenty minutes. That's a quote that you heard here, folks. First, folks. <laughs> a quote from Mitch misquoting me for the record. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think you know Elizabeth Moss, uh, very questionable, obviously, but uh, <laughs> she's fantastic in this film. Like, I think that's undeniable. You'd be lying if I'd be lying if I said she wasn't. So, I don't know. I think the like I said, this movie's been talked about a lot. I think. It it deserves the praise though. I think it's a great flick, uh, and if you haven't seen it yet, seek it out. Visible Man's a great one. Oh yeah, I'm also. I just want to quickly touch on. I'm happy you brought this up because I I didn't mention it in mine. But the ending, like yes, the movie, the ending is a little crazy. But imagine how much crazier it could have gone. Oh like, man, that's, that's part of the reason dark. I liked it. Yeah, like they, this... it could have really fallen apart at the end. And I thought that they handled it with like you know some really great tact. I think even just like, you know, we talk about remakes all the time every week, but I think it c- needs to be said at least one more time. The Invisible Man easily could have been a terrible remake, but this was a good remake. So e- Yeah, 100%. Kyle's totally. 100% right on that one. And it's exciting knowing that this is the man who's going to bring Ryan Gosling to the screen as the Wolfman. Uh, so huge. it's going to be interesting. You, you know think he'll be more or less ripped than Amityville? Ooh. Oh, man. No, no that's Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> shit, wrong one. Yeah, no, I, I was with you, Boozy. I thought it was yeah, you. I was like, oh, yeah. You, okay, yeah, that's right. Okay, okay. I think that might be the horniest moment in cinema is watching Ryan Reynolds cut wood in the Amityville Horks. It's like even every dude on earth was watching that going, damn. Yeah. Not bad. That, that is a jar of that sweat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your number six, Boozy? So, my number six, it's a movie that originally it started a a lot higher on my list at the start of the year and this is nothing against this movie at all it's just that there's so many amazing movies this year but one that i think is so dark and depraved uh so my number six is the lodge and i I feel that the the lodge gets lumped in with a lot of other movies as being a sort of clone of certain things and i don't feel that at all i think this movie is so deep and it really explores this idea of how your brain can be wired and rewired and the effects that that has on you and it's it's so bleak and i i guess maybe for people who've never experienced going on like a cabin trip to an area somewhere like remote like this maybe wouldn't feel those same emotions watching this film but like i feel like i've I've been places like this before and just that kind of that tension that they do such a great job in building and naturally just being in this kind of separated from society 
amongst, you know, just a couple people and, you know, the tension that can be built just through something like that, that remote getaway vibe, you know, the thing, you know, that that's basically what the thing is, right? That we built, we love that tension. And I think this movie has that and does it very well. I think the ending for a lot of people was upsetting and maybe the reason that it didn't get as much praise, but I, I, I feel like it, it fits in with a lot of other movies that just feed off of the negative energy that comes from making movies in this vein. Yeah. Well said. Wow. Well said. Thank you. So number wow, six, that's wow, the wow. the lodge from Boozy. <laughs> Kyle Kyle, you never you haven't seen the lodge yet, hey? I haven't seen the lodge yet. No, okay, it's well, on the get to it it's in on the, the list. Yeah. I'm gonna get there. All right. So uh my number six is a movie that has also already been talked about. Um but that does not mean that it's not fucking or I guess that just a, a assures that it is a great movie and that is the dark and the wicked um so this is a movie like uh, or kyle said directed by brian bertino the guy just makes he makes mean nihilistic movies that are super heavy in tone and light on story and i think that while it may not have the strongest story out of all the movies this year it's without a doubt one of the scariest horror, horror films i've seen this year and i told you i, th- I told I you it's scary yeah and I, th- and I think some people like, but that's, I've been seeing this movie kind of take a beating re- recently and uh, I, I get it to an extent because at the same time, a movie that I think we all love is The Strangers. That's also a movie that didn't resonate for everybody. That thing's holding like a 52 on Rotten Tomatoes. Like there, a lot of people don't like The Strangers. I don't understand that, but I also, I'm sure lots of people don't understand some of my opinions about movies. Um, it's all about what affects you. But the thing is, Brian Bertino really capitalizes on the darkest, most depressed and depraved things that you could feel as a human being, he highlights them in his movies, and he that is the substance of the movie, is the mood, the atmosphere, and what he can convey through powerful imagery and legitimate scares. I think this movie is one of the right. scariest movies of the year. Um, I loved it, uh, but at the same time, I can understand how this won't be everyone's bag. It's a very depressing movie. Very, very depressing. But it's uh, it just happens to be my kind of thing. I like I like I want to be drained. I want to be sucked dry of all the joy that's left in my. Hear that, Kyle? (laughs) I heard it loud and clear. There it is. Oh, that was a that was good. (laughs) (laughs) Kyle has not gotten any better at responding to those jokes. There it is. No, yeah, I don't know. I, I to mi- mirror what Kyle said to mirror what Kyle said about the dark and the wicked. There were a few scenes where I was like audibly cringing, or I almost I'm a guy who's pretty desensitized. I've seen it all. There's a couple of moments in this movie that really had me wanting to look away. Um, and that is such a testament to how effective this thing can be. Um, but also there's strong performances from both Marin Ireland and Michael Abbott Jr., Loved it. I think Dark and the Wicked is a great horror movie that came out this year. And it's definitely one that everyone should watch. And uh, I could see it not being for everyone. But if you generally like The Strangers or The Monster or that type of bleak filmmaking that Brian Bertino seems to be, you know, drawn to, like The Black Hood's Daughter, he's a producer on, like Kyle said, this is just more of that. And I really like his vision and I like watching what he puts out. So Dark and the Wicked didn't disappoint me this year. Let's get on to number fives. We're halfway through. Number five. How's everyone feeling? How's our list A little bit of Kyle on the side. A little bit of Boozy in my life. Yo, I fucking hate Mambo number five. What? Okay, how do we get Kyle out of this call? 
All right, let's get into our top fives of the year. My number five of the year, which is my number five pick, by the way, is Jeff Barnaby's Blood Quantum. That's your number uh, five? That's my number five. At fifth not, place? Not six. I don't think it's... No, it's not four. It's five. Uh, all right. Blood Quantum, number with, with five. With all seriousness, Blood Quantum, this was a movie that I was really excited to check out. Who did we have on the show? Who was it? I think it was... Scott. Scott. Uh, yeah. Scott was the one who, I think... I don't know if he told you about this one, Mitch. Yeah, he, Maybe you Scott, were... Scott turned me on to it. Okay, so there you go. That both of us found out about this film, I think, live on the show, basically, uh, and it piqued my interest. It sounded like something cool. I'm always excited, at least for like Canadian films that are getting any kind of traction. It excites me, so that you know piqued my interest to begin with. And I think this is a really, really good example of a film in the horror genre within, I guess, even the zombie genre, doing something different and doing it in a really, uh, I guess. I'll say unique, but I think what I think makes this film stand out is not only is it working with the zombie genre in a unique way, but it's coming from a place that is dwelling in sort of historical aspects and, you know, traditional, um, I guess, teachings and bringing those ideas together in horror, which I think is really important because in this way, when you're watching Blood Quantum, you're getting a story that you, in my opinion, I've never seen anywhere else. I learned You've so never, much watching yeah. Blood Quantum that, like, I got to have a little fun history lesson after I watched a film. I got to go on Wikipedia and read some articles and actually gain some Thank you know, you. insight. Thank you, Kyle. There's uh, There have been so many times throughout the year that I've, li- I've read, like, people talking about this movie, like critics and everything, saying that they th- there wasn't enough done with the indigenous idea. And I couldn't disagree. It's like, dude, no, dude this is his. This is his fucking movie. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure he knows what he wants to do, and he knows better than anyone what to comment on. Well, I mean, that's exactly it. Like this, this is a an indigenous film by an indigenous filmmaker telling an indigenous story. That's inherent. Starring ninety five percent an indigenous cast. Well, yeah, and I mean that that's a lot the from thing Saskatchewan is, too. I think it's uh, it's drastically unfair to uh, determine how indigenous or not enough indigenous this film is i think that is just flat out wrong uh and i also think that you know talking to what you're speaking about mitch i think this film actually does have a lot to chew on in terms of uh gaining a better appreciation for like what a blood quantum even is and uh what kind of the events that take place in this film how they you know make sense in the greater context of certain parts of canada and things like that i understand that maybe if you're not from canada this might just not be super relevant to you i can understand that to an extent i suppose but uh the way i view it is i mean i watch films from around the world and i like to appreciate what those cultures are bringing and i think this film just does a similar job of doing that um but I mean, that being said, I mean, it's not just like this film is relaying facts on an interesting perspective and a perspective that's not shared enough. Uh, that's fantastic in its own right. But what's important is that this film is just also is also just great. And it's yeah. directed very, very well by Jeff Barnaby. There's a particular chainsaw scene that just sticks in my oh, fucking mind God. in this film. That is <laughs> that I don't think I've forgotten about since I've seen. And I think it's probably like the tightest 30 minutes, like opening 30 minutes I've seen in a movie all year, to be completely oh, honest. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. it's that, the it's, opening forty five. Like well, the, the whole yeah. 
Sorry. I, I mean, 45, 30 minutes. You know what I mean? Like the, the a good sizable chunk of what this movie opens opens up with is just it's honestly flawless for the most part. I wouldn't call it a, a perfect film, but I do think this film does a lot of great stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, talking about this, you know, I, I kind of even hate that we have to kind of give out, like give like get all that bullshit out of the way to some extent. But I do think it's important just to even talk about this movie to give it some love because I don't see enough people talking about this, and I think people should be talking about this movie. Because I had a fucking blast watching it, and I think all of our listeners would too. I mean, we have talked about it on the show already, but for all those reasons and more, this is without a doubt my number five of the year. Awesome. Great. So number five, Blood Quantum. Boozy, what's your number five? My five time, five time, five time. There's a there's a wrestling joke for some people here, so I'm not going to do the whole thing. I don't know. You guys don't appreciate it as much. My number five is The Relic. I, I think uh, that uh, this is a movie that has kind of it, it's flown under the radar a little bit in terms of how genuinely terrifying this movie is. It has gotten pretty decent reviews, but overall very terrifying. And it deals with a very terrifying subject matter in a in a in a very interesting way because it's dealing with with, uh, you know, uh, mental states and and amnesia, getting older, that sort of stuff and, and family trauma. And I and. It, it's a it's a very scary movie to watch, and I, I think that's that's an impressive thing to do in this day and age is to have a movie that genuinely can be that creepy front to back. Totally, yeah, yeah. And this one's on Netflix for anyone who wants to see it, and you haven't seen it yet. Uh, once again, Relic. That's at number five from Boozy. Great pick, dude. Oh, um, I was gonna say, yeah, directed by Natalie Erica James from Australia. It, there you go. Oh, yeah. See, and that's another. Yeah. Okay. So I watched this again today because <laughs> uh, I watched this pretty early on in the year. And that it's a it's a really great movie. It's in my honorable mentions. And I think it's totally deserving of being on every like so many top 10 lists. Like it is. It's a really strong, powerful movie. But uh, Australians, once again, they just make the best horror. They make really great horror movies. It, and Relic's Australia another just one hits of different. They, they I don't know what it is, man. But like, I, like I'm saying isolation, I, you know, I think. Yeah, I don't know. This is some some of my favorite, some of my mo- like modern favorite horror movies have been from Australia. I think that they're putting out some incredible horror stuff there. So good pick, Boozy. Good pick. My number Thank five. You. My number five, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. Hey. So yeah, this one written and directed by Jim Cummings, who Kyle spoke about. I still haven't watched Thunder Road, which is ridiculous since I've watched Wolf yeah, of Snow gotta, Hollow twice. You gotta watch that. I, yeah, so, I mean, to be fair, I haven't seen this film yet, so we're even. Yeah, but within the first five minutes of this movie, it reveals itself to be hilarious and intense, uh, which is something that continues for the rest of the running time of the film. The entire movie feels like it's poking fun at the incompetence of like police forces, specifically in small town America. And that's something that I'm very like, I just thought that they handled it with like, it was very funny. Um, I know people love it. And I agree this, this thing that I'm about to talk about is hilarious, but to me, like Wolf of Snow Hollow feels like a cross between it's like if the guys from Letterkenny tried writing a Coen Brothers monster movie. And wow. I don't yeah, know. No, how, I, I feel that. And I don't know how that wouldn't intrigue you and make you want to see this movie because it is it's so funny. And Jim Cummings has created a brand of horror that feels like it feels like Coen Brothers meets Sam Raimi in some ways. Um, I'm definitely a part of the Jim Cummings army now. I've only seen his one movie, but I, like I so, said, I watched so it. So you'd twice. say you're a comer now? 
I'm a comer. Oh. I'm a, a big time comer. And we're not um, talking think... about the voice actor for the record, not the Winnie the Pooh no. voice actor. No, we're talking about him. <laughs> Those are I different think... kind of comers. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think this Jim Cummings, I think he's brilliant. I think pretty much the like this was also like pretty much the perfect role to send Robert Forrester off to heaven. Um, or at yes. least a, yes. a very satisfying dirt nap. Um, at least I don't know. That's the way. <laughs> well, no, come on. I'm like, uh, I, well, God, I got some looks there. Um, I, I personally would be pissed if there was more after this. I, w- I want just to sleep. My favorite thing in the world is to sleep. And when I die, I just want to sleep. So I'd like to think Robert Forrester is having a great nap right now. And uh, but there he did go. go out. Beautiful. He put, okay. He went out. He went out. This is a great movie for him to go out on because not only is Robert Forrester like so well known as like a police officer in movies or some I, 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 an authority figure, but also one of the earliest roles. I think it might have even been one of his earliest movies that I know him from is Alligator. Like he he's right, an right, Alligator, right, right. and this obviously this is a much better film than Alligator. I like Alligator. There's no beef there. I'm just saying that the Wolf of Snow Hollow no is beef. a super fun comedy horror. I think the comedy all nails it. I was laughing my ass off from beginning to end both times that I watched this thing, and uh, the few horror scenes of the wolf werewolf attacks are they're gorgeous. Like this is it's it's. Almost, I can understand, like, this is going to be a divisive one this year because some people are going to want it to have been a different thing than what it is. But what we were given, what Jim Cummings, with the story he wanted to tell, I thought it was great. I loved it. So that's The Wolf of Snow at my number four. Uh, Kyle, let's go on to your number four. Oh, sorry, that was my number five. Your number four, Kyle. Yes, now we're on to number four. Sorry, I've been mixing. I got fucking whiskeys lined up on the table. My number four film of the year. In terms of horror picks on the terror table is Swallow. Whoa. Oh. That's right, baby. Kyle, Kyle riding in on his dark horse. Riding on <laughs> in to Swallowtown. That's right. That's right. Kyle said it. Um, I think I think Swallow has come up on the show at least one other time. I think Mitch, you talked about it one week a while yeah, back. I saw I saw it at the beginning of the year. Right, that checks out, that checks Yeah, this did come out um, on Netflix, at least, like, quite early in the year. I think even pre-pandemic, if I'm correct. Uh, so this film is directed by Carlo Mirabilla Davis. Probably fucking it up, but sorry, man. This is a fantastic <laughs> directorial debut. Uh, it stars Haley Bennett, uh, Austin Stowell, who you might know from the film uh, Dolphin Tale, um, as well as Whiplash. Right, right. So it, you got a little bit of you know, some... Some uh, range. Is that the yeah. Paul Hogan Elijah Wood film? No, Dolphin Tale. <laughs> <I'm... laughs> Dolphin Tale is a bit different than that. Than uh, but anyways, uh, for those who haven't seen it, uh, this is essentially a movie that uh, features a, I guess, a plot with a young woman who is emotionally stifled in her marriage and domestic life, and in in. You know, doing so, she develops an impulsive uh, need to consume inedible objects. Uh, I believe it's called pica. I think that is the condition that. Uh, yes, pica. Pica, sorry. Like, like. Yes. Anyways, I'm not gonna go there. I guess I'll get back into it. This uh, film deals very, <laughs> very. It has um, it has an interesting, I guess, presentation to it. I would say the film, for the most part, is pretty like subdued. Like the way that the movie uh, presents itself is almost kind of relaxed you know 
there's not too much tension until certain parts of the film really open up and basically you see this you see the main character ingesting these things that just should not be ingested and it, it's honestly just terrible. is it like, like uh is it is it like watermelon flavored bubble gum stuff like that <laughs> it's not quite as horrendous as that um okay. but I you know it's kind of like worse. trying to it's kind of like trying to fit a whole like subway sandwich in your mouth and only having one <laughs> small bite as if you're like a fairy or something it's super weird <laughs> um, like, but... how many inches was the like the sub though that was attempted to being bitten to oh, so what we're six, talking about is while we were six paused. total but you maybe ate about half inch, eight inch. <laughs> while we were paused um boozy wanted to show us how much he could fit a subway sandwich in his mouth and it was pretty fun and apparently I did awful. I've yeah, never been roasted so and, hard and for you, And you tried to make up for it by doing it twice, and honestly, the second time was worse. Not yeah, that mouth, that mouth game. I got weak. really embarrassed the second one, honestly. It's because you guys got me, like, you know, so rattled after the first one. Yeah. Anyways, I want to talk about Swallow. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I guess another way I would describe it is probably, like, understated. Yeah, reserved and understated. The, like, the set design and production for this film are top-notch. I think that is, like, by far something that is just aesthetically pleasing to me you know it has like painfully real depictions of people in harmful relationships that's essentially what this film is kind of dealing with uh, emotional and physical abuse in a relationship and how that can just de like deteriorate a person uh and this uh this main character deals with it you know kind of through pica and self-harm to some extent so it deals with some really really serious issues and it, it does so through the horror genre in a way I've never seen before. Uh, I found this to be just like, I guess, tragic, psychologically exhausting. And I, I guess, you know, especially the last act is quite interesting. I think that's where maybe some people might get lost in this film. I think the film tries to sort of like wrap itself up in an interesting way that, like I said, I don't think everyone will latch onto. But for me, it really, really worked because... It made like the whole journey of this film, you know, exploring the singular character really feel earned and it paid off for me in, in, a, in a really big way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think uh, I've seen this film crop but, like creep up on some people's lists. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend it. Uh, and yeah, and if I haven't mentioned already, Haley Bennett gives a fucking knockout performance. She's amazing in this movie. Uh, yeah, let's swallow. Hell yeah. Very cool movie. Very cool movie. All, All right. right. Wait. Do it, do it, do the... It's a cool movie. It's a oh, good movie. It's a, I'm, I'm, I'm Tim Armstrong. It's a good movie. It's a good, it's movie. A good movie. It gets the Bubba Spark right. seal of approval. Yes. My number four. Now, this is going to throw everybody off. Uh, everybody. Okay? And I, I just... I want to say that th this movie is so high on my list because i i really was blown away by it and i and i think that it led to me i know the best movies for me are ones where i spend time researching after so that's why this Ooh. one is so high so my number four is lost girls from 2020 directed by liz garbus starring amy ryan and gabriel byrne i yeah. think this is an inc this is an incredible and i, I think every time i mention this when i say it is it reminds me so much of a Fincher kind of film, and it's it's based upon the search for the uh, the Long Island serial killer, which has led me down so many fucking Reddit rabbit holes. I'm like, oh man, it's so interesting. But anyway, th this film is so well made, and they have such small tension scenes that I think 
you have to be a certain level of competent as a filmmaker to pull off tension scenes that don't directly involve anything terrifying. There is, I've mentioned this before, uh, I believe the first time I talked about this, like months ago, is that there's a scene with the walnut cracking, and it, it's such a unique scene. And, and I think that this is a film that um, kind of got lost a little bit in the shuffle of this kind of came out right when like lockdown hit. And I think that yeah. people were focused on a lot of other stuff. And yeah, Netflix was kind of a... Uh, safe zone for a lot of people, but also so much else was going on in the world. I feel like it got lost in the shuffle, and I think it is an amazing film. Awesome, great pick. This is man. the one with That's... Holly from The Office, right? Yes. Yeah. And I just want to say, uh, Courtney was listening to a podcast the other day about the Long Island serial killer, and they had the woman who Amy Ryan is based off of, Mary Gilbert. They had her yeah. on the show, or like she, they show clips of her, and it's unbelievable how good Amy Ryan was in that role. Like where she mm-hmm. sounds exactly like that person. She looks exactly like her. Her mannerisms, like it's a very good true crime movie. And uh, I, I, yeah, I, I guess like there's lots of movies that I would consider horror that a lot of other people wouldn't. This isn't a straight up horror movie, but I, I could see it being very creepy for some people. And and that's kind of why I least, put that at the start is that yeah. like I don't feel that maybe this is a straight up horror movie, but there's a lot of like there is some straight up gore in this film. People and, who and like also, horror. I want to go like to this. bat for this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to go to bat for this film. That people should yeah. go out and check this out. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Very easy to look out for. But once again, that's Lost Girls. So good pick, Boozy. That's wicked. Thank you. Um, um, yeah, it's one more thing before we go on. I was saying about the Reddit thing. I literally have talked to like people who have gone on tours of like this beach, and like someone did like a tour, like a live one. Very interesting to like learn more about these cases as they're going on. Hell yeah. Uh, my number four is a movie that, like all, every other movie on this list, I fucking loved. But this one caught me entirely by surprise, and that is His House. Uh, so His oh, House yeah. is my number four. His House took me through all of the emotions. Most importantly, in the conversation that we're having here, it took me through the emotion of fear. I think this movie is genuinely scary. It's creepy. It's intense. And it's such an emotional horror movie. Yeah. It's beautiful and tragic. And the story, it's, it follows a middle-aged couple escaping Sudan during a war uh, to end up in a situation debatably a million times worse. Um, this is a first feature from Remy Weeks. And I think a lot of the movies on my list are first features. And uh, this is one of the few that I'm going to mention that, like, man, if this is the first feature from this guy, holy shit. Do we have some stuff to look out for? And this is the kind of stuff that makes me so excited as a horror fan is just knowing that we have different people telling different stories and uh, unique stories. And I think his house delivers in spades, man. I think I'm going to plant my my flag on this one and saying that I do think that this is the best Netflix horror movie that we've gotten yet. This is a out of all the horror movies that have been just like straight Netflix produced horror movies. I think this is definitely the best one. And uh, I just, it's so good. I would have loved to see it on a big screen. I would have loved to see more people talking about it. It sucks that it's on Netflix, a platform where everyone can see, but it's not getting the the excitement and the praise of, you know, exciting new horror movies in the theater. Like, I want everybody to see this movie because it's so good. It is so strong and so powerful. And uh, it kept me guessing from beginning to end. And I know that some people... Like the movie was so good. I like, I know that there are things that people could nitpick. Like some people don't like the the effects work in the movie. Honestly, 
I wasn't even paying attention to the effects work at the point because I was so engrossed in the story. I was so into what the movie was telling me and what Remy Weeks wanted to show. And uh, I think it's definitely one of the best horror movies of 2020. So that is His House at number four. Top three, boys. We are at the top Uh-oh. three moments. All right, oh, my gosh. We're here. What is, what is, your, thir- <laughs> what is your third favorite horror movie of If you can take us back to number three. Okay, let me take let me take you back, 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 back. Are you guys ready for this? Are you ready? <laughs> My number three is a film that actually I just talked about last week. That is Possessor. Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor, he, a son, of course, of David Cronenberg. But I mean, this man, this guy's this carbon, he's carving his own name. This is a film that I think is gonna stick in a lot of people's memories. I think it's also a film that's maybe being underlooked a little bit right now, and I think. People should absolutely seek this film out if you haven't already. Um, you know, this is just a very physical and visceral experience from start to finish. Uh, you know, again, to the last one I was talking about, this film has, like, very noticeable, um, you know, achievements in set and production design. Uh, and, and for me, what it, what really kind of has this film sitting so high at the list for me is that it has some, it's like, experimental like effects work and visuals that again, like a couple of specific scenes that just felt so unique for me and really refreshing. Like just something I hadn't really seen this year or maybe in horror in a while. And that felt really, really uh, impactful for me. Uh, sure. Jennifer Jason Lee drops the ball, but we've been all over that already. <laughs> okay. So um, I, I, need, oh, oh gosh, <laughs> see, I don't want to talk about this yet, but fuck. I, I, so I've watched it again. And I've actually watched other parts of the movie multiple times. This is one of those movies that I kind of look. I, I look through the DVD or the Blu-ray. Sorry, sorry, Kyle. I didn't mean to trigger you with the nope. DVD talk. That's, um, that's okay. Jennifer Jason Leigh right did it. She did exactly what she was supposed to do in this movie. She. Well, I'm not. Th- I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like that's pretty. It's un- It's unfortunate that it's so close to her performance in Annihilation, but the tone in Possessor is so close to Annihilation. In tone. I'll just put it. I'll put it this way. I think the film is operating at such a high bar that when you see something that's even kind of like maybe mediocre, it stands out. You know, that, that's yeah. kind of the best way I could describe it. And I, I'm I'm just fucking joking here. I mean, like, sure, whatever. It's not my favorite, but beyond that, this film is just a fucking knockout. Like, Andrea Riseborough and Christopher Abbott, they are incredible, incredible leads in this film. Um, you know, it uses science fiction in a really interesting way to tackle contemporary. And I guess exi- like existing issues, um, you know, and uh, I did talk about this a little bit last week that like this is actually the kind of story that I generally don't like at all. Yeah, uh, and I was really movie. nervous. Well, not even that it's mean. Actually, I just I find concepts like this kind of hokey and cliche, like just sort of like, yeah, um, I can see that, like, like sort of like mediocre short films, stuff mm-hmm. like that, I guess, you know, like, re- like really possessor feels like tenant, but the horror movie this year. I haven't it's seen like, Tenet, but I that well, makes enough sense shit, from what I know. But... From what I know about, okay, well, sure, fair enough. Uh, so I, I don't know. I guess <laughs> I guess what uh, I'm saying is I feel like this this film could have went in, in a direction that uh, wasn't really anything special. But I think not only does the narrative take a really really uh, interesting turn, or or it takes the steps to make it very very engaging. But beyond that, I mean, this film just has so much style and so much vision behind it that it's a knockout in many ways so highly recommend possessor that's my number three hell yeah kyle kiss you on the mouth if i could boozy what's your number three (laughs) 
<laughs> in a post-COVID world, we'll be kissing each other all day long. You just, yeah. you just wait, you just wait, boys. Yeah, tongue you hold baby. On to those sweet kisses. I'm gonna lick them gums. <laughs> My number three is a film that has already been talked about, but could always be talked about more, which is The Wolf of Snow Hollow. I think in this day and age, it is so hard to pull off a werewolf film. And they do it in such an amazing way. And the other thing that we've mentioned before, even during this episode, is it's also hard to pull off great comedy timing. And this film does it so well. And also big ups. Not, I don't think you'd mentioned when you were talked about it, Mitch, but Jimmy Tra- Jimmy Tatro is awesome in this film as he well. He is. I want to see him in everything. I love I, him. I even think though, he's even though he's such a good actor. That, yeah, even though Jesse thought American Vandal was real. I think that he is so good. <laughs> he is so good in this movie and in everything that he's in. He's always so funny. I, I just want Jim Cummings to be given a direction of like all the style of films I like and just let him do his version. So like, yeah. Jim, I really like The Descent. What can you make with that? Like, just let him do his version. I th- oh, yeah. Because I think his his sensibilities and also his timing as far as uh horror in in itself which is which is very hard to pull off he does them both so well like i actually laughed out loud at a lot of jokes in this and it's it's a very dry humor movie like, and there's it's, some it's of the funniest funny, but like it's some of the funniest moments of the of the year are in that movie yeah but it's like it's it's not it's played off as such dry humor i think that's what i love about it yeah. so much okay going on to uh my number three so my number three is are wild <laughs> so they, <laughs> they are wild is, this is going to be my only pick, debatably, that might annoy some listeners because it's a movie you can't see yet. It's the only one. Um, and oh. that is My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. So like Boozy had mentioned Scare Package and other films, and Kyle mentioned Harpoon, which was shown in Saskatoon at the film festival in 2019. I, I included those films on my list last year, so I am continuing that trend by including films that I saw this year. And the reason I'm including it is because, not to annoy people, but to give you guys something to get excited about, to look forward to, um, because this movie's coming at you in 2021. And it's not out yet, but I think that these Quertes brothers, who we had on the show two episodes ago, Jonathan and Michael Quertes, I think that they are some of the top filmmakers to keep an eye out for. I would put them next to the dude, the Safdie brothers, man. like the, the guys who are doing Good Time and Uncut Jams, but in horror. Like, I think that they have such an eye for horror and Jonathan just you can tell from talking to him that he has a deep love of horror and the genre as as a whole. But he also just he has a different look on things and a different eye that we're going to start seeing some different stories from some really talented and interesting filmmakers. I think the movie is a powerful and heart wrenching story of two siblings who are trying to keep their sick brother breathing by providing him with human blood. So it is a vampire film. Um, It's an intimate portrayal of loneliness, familial tension, and morality. And I think that it's got incredible performances across the board. Within 10 minutes, you feel well acquainted with this family and what their current way of life looks like. And uh, it just got better on repeat viewings. Um, It got better when I was able to see it with an audience. This is one of the movies that really... You know, obviously, we didn't get a lot of theatrical experiences this year, but it was nice talking to people who saw this movie on a big screen. And, you know, even if it was a small crowd, like we had generally like 15 people at the festival this year, people all really connected with it. And I think it's just such a strong piece. Um, It's a different type of horror movie. This isn't 
this is nothing like an evil dead. This is nothing like a scream or, you know, this, it's just new voices are coming into the genre and they're creating unique, interesting stories. And this is one of the best ones I saw this year. My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. I love this movie. Can't wait for you guys to see it. Sweet. That's my number three. Oh, baby. I can't wait either. Number two, Kyle. Oh my gosh. Top two. This is, uh, all coming so fast. I don't know what to make of it. Um, okay, guys. <laughs> Deuce. Like we just started. I Deuce. think we just started. Okay. Deuce. My number two film, a film that has already been talked about. Uh, and that, of course, is His House. Um, mm-hmm. Man, this one, that's, I mean, I have no other way to put it, but it's a banger. It's just a straight banger. This, uh, <laughs> this, another, like, that's Kyle's letterbox review right there. <laughs> This is, of course, a directorial debut, as you mentioned earlier, Mitch. Uh, I won't, I won't tread on it too much because you, you spoke quite well about it. But um, I think, you know, this, this is the kind of film that has stuck with me in, in a way that I didn't really expect it to. I actually, almost knew nothing about this film. I actually had a coworker randomly mention it to me, and it was just kind of like out of the blue. I had no idea what this film was about, and then I saw that you had seen it, Mitch. And then I was like, okay, like Mitch thought pretty highly of this. Like, what am I getting myself into? Uh, and like, this has got to be like, this has to be one of the best uses of space that I've ever seen. Like, it, it it's so claustrophobic in a way. And then what, when it's not, it's using its surroundings to really convey feeling in, in such a visual way. Um, you know, it talks about mistreatment of marginalized groups. It deals with PTSD. It de- deals with, you know, the refugee experience. Um, kind of reminds me of this film from 2016 called Deepon. If anyone's ever seen that, that's a it's a great film. Um, similar kind of t- topics are uh, covered there. I don't know. And kind of what you're talking about, Mitch, like the idea of just f- like pure fear, just fear for what's happening, wh- like the unknown, fear for the past, fear for, you know reconciling with things that you need to own up to and reconciling with, you know, your own past and the future. And so many interesting uses of tension through this film that I think depicts such a unique perspective on, you know, political and social issues that are going on right now and all through the lens of horror. It's a really haunting film. Its presence just totally captivated me while watching this. And yeah, this is absolutely like, some of this imagery is just going to stick with me for months and months and months. It was, it was really visceral in a, in a lot of different ways. Uh, and yeah, and for the record, I was also spooked. Um, <laughs> so there's that. And I it's heartbreaking. Te- text message from Kyle. Bro, his house was a straight banger. <laughs> <laughs> it was on Saturday at 443. So can confirm that it indeed was a banger. Um, you said yeah, so fire. And it, it's kind of like... For, bro, for a film that obviously bro, I was spooked like crazy <laughs> That's what that like, oh, yes I was relaying the facts I don't know I and I guess for guys. for something that you can't necessarily like obviously you I mean it, it's a it's a fictional it's a fictional work but I mean to me it actually had a lot of realism in it and that's what really made this film engaging uh yeah it's on Netflix 
you should be able to peep it. Uh, we love Yo, it. Check out his house. How how scary was like the the I the faces through the wall? Oh my like, god! Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't <laughs> give too much away. I, I know, but things like I I don't get scared a lot anymore. Like I very rarely get scared. But his house, we get it. You're big and tough, Mitch. Yeah, I'm a big tough oh, man. No, dude. That's <laughs> the, that's not what I'm meaning at all. But like I'm just like I I've I'm so accustomed to these movies that like I just kind of they they wait they wash over me. But his house like actually creeped me out. Well, I think that that's amazing. Yeah, I think I think this film too is because like you. You're not really expecting those moments. They're not necessarily jump scares or anything like that either. It's just like the film doesn't even really have much of like a, a horrific tone to it for a good part of the film. Then all yeah. of a sudden things start happening and it's oh, just yeah. like, whoa, what the fuck? Like it, yeah. it's really shocking. And yeah. just just while we're on the conversation, because I'm not sure Boozy's going to bring it up, but I'm going to say this anyways it, right now. That if you watched his house and you love the movie, check out Erie International's episode on it because they had a very good conversation. I loved that episode. And that was one of the movies where I was like, I, I wish we would have done an episode because I was like, I have so much to say about this thing. And I was unpacking it for days. So it's nice listening to podcasts where people talk about it in long form, in a long form, uh, you know, way. And uh, they, they did a great job. So check out that episode on Erie International. Boozy, what's your number two, girl? <laughs> all right. This is a moment we've nearly all been waiting for because it's number two, not number one. But I got to get this out of the way. Number two, William Eubanks, Kristen Stewart vehicle. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Man, I'm honestly, so I cannot wait to hear what your number. Oh, I know what your number one is. I think I know. Shut yeah, up. I know. Shut. Yeah, but I, no, I yeah, but dude, I I thought for sure underwater was going to be your number one, and that's it, no disrespect. It was it was number one for a long period of time, and I know this movie is one that maybe has kind of gotten trashed a little bit, not getting that those high ratings, but that's fine. I think that in terms of we've spoken about how there's tons of movies that try and clone that. That, that feeling of alien and that, that, you know, the Lovecraftian elements and that sort of thing. And I think this movie encompasses that so well and takes all those elements that are terrifying about deep water exploration that, I mean, maybe that's more of a niche thing to be afraid of, but it's definitely checks off in my box. And, yeah. and the, you know, I, I can always tell movies that I really, really love is the ones that I, I need to know when they come out and I, I you know, I go and check. And this was one of those movies, like, I, I made sure as soon as this came out, I was ordering a copy. And I, I've watched this movie with no sound. I've watched this with the director's commentary. I, I've watched this movie probably more than I've watched anything else this year. And Man, I, that's, that's also, that, this is big because you finished film school this year. That was yes. a huge thing that you checked off on your own. That, like, if you're, this movie is resonating with you so strongly, that's exciting. That you, this was something that you got to study. And, and that's the thing is that I, I tried to figure out again and again what made me come back to it. And I think it was the fact that this movie had a, a for me personally, had a great job of giving urgency to the characters. And like Kyle always says, not urgency, but also agency to what they're doing, that it, it felt it felt very it did a great job of pushing these characters along in a way that felt natural for me. And I think the world that it built was very interesting and and i enjoyed it a lot it was a big surprise it kind of came out of nowhere honestly we uh, all we all went to that movie it was opening of january and it was what that was the first movie we saw in the theater and we were like 
this is the first movie that we're seeing in theater <laughs> this year. This is going to be bad. It's, and we it's all January. Had, or wait, no, oh, sorry, Boozy, we didn't see it with you. We saw Kyle and I saw it together, didn't no, we? No, actually, this is so oh, funny. None of us separately. saw it together, but it kind of feels like we saw it together. For yeah, because we all we all saw. <laughs> I'm pretty sure we all saw it within like a 24 hour, 48 hour difference. And I yeah. think but, it was like it was like a week or two after Black Christmas 2018. Yeah. So it was yeah. like. So, yeah. so I was still a little salty, and yeah, you know, yeah. like. <laughs> I was not expecting, like, I remember we, Kyle, like, I saw Underwater before Boozy, and I was like, I don't know if Boozy, I think Boozy might complain about this thing. And I was so happy that you loved it. It's a good movie. And it's it's so much fun. It's so much fun. I think it's a movie that definitely has enough fun aspects for that replay value. And like Kyle said, that, you know, maybe there is an actor in there that we don't like as much, but he's not in the whole thing. So it's, yeah, so it's all good from there. Well, man, there's tons of actors I don't like in some of my favorite movies ever. Like, my what, fuck, Rosemary's Baby was directed by a piece of shit. Like, right. it, it's it's tough to it's tough to let that shit go. But the movie, you know, on its own right, it's a mm-hmm. fun sci-fi horror movie. I, you know what? I think at the end of the day, this was the level of fun that the Meg should have been for us. That, and that's how I felt about it. And that's the thing is that uh, I I really li- I liked Underwater as well, but I, I actually thought about that because Underwater isn't on my list. Um, but it it's in my honorable mentions. But it's uh like I I don't know. There's just something about it that it didn't fully click with me. I think it was just a little bit too much Alien. Um, right. but I'm also okay with that. I, I I have no there's sorry there's no disrespect in this being your number. I two. think I this think is the way cool that like movie. life you really like life and it should have worked for me but didn't. Yeah, I think life's better than this <laughs> for I, sure. Hundred percent disagree, but that's exactly I think, that's, this is what whole conversation. Exactly, and I, I think a lot of people would disagree with that. Like they're just like they're other. Yeah, either way, it's I'm happy you enjoyed it. That was a highlight of the year for you. We and you've been talking about that all year, so that makes 100%, me happy. Yeah. I never All shut right. up about Underwater. Yeah. So for the record, that movie was on me and Boozy's lists, which just means that Mitch is wrong about everything. Yeah. Correct? Shout out William Eubank. Shout out Kristen Stewart. Shout, shout out. out. Great. And my number two is... You guys ready for it? My number two? I'm ready. Okay. Blood Give us Quantum. Your dookie. Oh, hey, what? number two. You, did you see that one this coming? movie's praise all year. Yeah, I yeah, felt I, it. I have, but I was wondering if the, yeah, I knew that you guys were going to be holding your breath, but if I was going to mention Blood Quantum, because uh, yeah, no, I, I love this movie. This was introduced, like I knew about it sort of uh, before I like I've seen the trailers and I thought it looked really cool, but it wasn't until our friend Scott Hamilton really talked it up that it made me realize I'm like, this is something I got to see right away. And within those first two weeks, I was able to see it. And it did not disappoint even slightly. This one, written and directed by Jeff Barnaby, who, in the words of Scott, said that he is an auteur in the making. I entirely agree with that. I think this guy has a vision that I just want to see more of. I want him to be given huge movies. I want him to be given small movies. I want him to be given any movies. I just want to see more stories from Jeff Barnaby because I loved Blood Quantum so much that I went back and checked out his first movie, oh, Rhymes nice. for Young Ghouls. Great and, show. Uh, I, w- I watched them both twice this year, um, and I love both of them, man. I think Rams for Young Ghouls is amazing. Like, it's a great movie, but Blood Quantum is, I think, Jeff Barnaby made some big and fresh strides in this zombie apocalypse subgenre. And I think um, he takes us he takes us from the outbreak to 
from the outbreak of this of this uh, zombie apocalypse to the future where those who have indigenous blood are immune to the virus. And I think that's a really interesting concept. And I know that that's also it's one of those things where it's so high concept where people are going to be nitpicking and picking apart if he did a good enough job with it. I think I have just went with what the filmmaker wanted to show me. And I thought that it was powerful as hell. I think what he it, it, at the end of the day, we all could have this weird idea of how we want movies to work. But we're watching other people's stories. And I well, love his story. And we're also dealing with zombies here, right? I mean, like, come exactly. on. Like, this is I mean, this is like an, it's an interesting depiction of like how a community or I guess in this re- this case, a reservation would deal with an outbreak of zombies. I mean, it's I just think it's weird. It's, uh, th- this is the one movie out of all movies this year that I've heard so many people been like, there's so many other places they could have taken it. And then in my, my response to that is, really? well, why, why, well, why didn't you make a fucking like, I know that's a lazy, <laughs> it's a lazy response to say, why didn't you make the movie? But it's like, no, Jeff Barnaby grew up, he, like... he has had such a unique upbringing and you don't need to know that to enjoy the movie. I think that this movie is phenomenal if you go in completely blind, like I did. The only reason I know more about it now is because I loved it so much that I kept on researching more and more that I could find about it. I tried getting Jeff Barnaby on the show. He's so far the only guest that I've tried to get on that we haven't been able to. And uh, I'm Fingers also... Crossed. Wow, we didn't just call him out or anything. No, no, but I, I'm, I'm okay with that. You know, not everyone just accepts every interview, but I would love to talk to him and I would love to know more. But at the same time, I'm totally cool just watching his movies. If this isn't, if, it, you know, interview shows aren't really his thing or whatever. I just, I love his vision I think he killed it. The cinematography, the performances, the animated sequences in this movie oh, yeah. are Underrated. So, be- so beautiful. And like yeah. all, all together, it has this sociopolitical hook that made the movie so memorable and fresh. And it's, it's a great addition to the zombie subgenre. Not to mention the gloriously gory special effects. People yeah. who have seen this movie, they can attest, they can test to the, uh, the, you know, there's a, a baby you. thing there's baby stuff there's fucking there's a everything. chainsaw man there's some the chainsaw is nuts but uh i did i watched this one because the first time i watched it courtney fell asleep in the last 20 minutes not because she didn't like it but because she was extremely tired so i was like okay On blast well, yeah no but i was like well what, <laughs> that, that's one of the reasons we watched it again a couple days ago right right because uh, courtney was like i've this is kind of like it's another black bear where she's been hearing me praise it all year, but she fell asleep and didn't get to see the whole thing. Um, Blood Quantum, I think, is just a phenomenal, phenomenal horror movie and has so much to say. And uh, I don't know. I, I think that this is definitely one of the ones you need to be keeping an eye out for this year. It's on Shutter in the U.S. and it's on Crave in Canada. So those are two places you can check it out. That's my number two. Man, Let's get a... into number ones, boys. I just got to say, Mitch, that is a great pick. I think, uh, I think, like thinking about that film a bit more too. It's like incredibly bleak and pretty intense at times, but yet it still has like a bit of levity to it, like almost almost comedy at times. Like it's kind of. Uh... Man, there is so much funny with Lysol. Like, like there's so many yeah. funny moments with, like Lysol is such a great villain. And Absolutely. That, like, there, there. Like, I, I think that that movie checks off everything that you need in a great zombie movie. Like I'm, I'm just gonna say right now, it's obviously I love it. It's my number two of the year. But I think this lives next to Train to Busan as one of the best horror, one of the best zombie movies we've had in decades. Totally, man. When, when I think about, I was thinking about that too, like Train to Busan, maybe even like One Cut of the Dead to an extent, and then yeah, this. One Cut I of the feel... Dead, or like, and Twenty Eight Days Later, like this is the best since Twenty Eight Days Later. Yeah. I think, like, with and, one, and for like, 
And for like a apocalyptic setting, it doesn't really feel over the top either. And like, but even within that, the production design is so fucking killer. Because like you were saying, yeah. this is like post infection. This is like in the like, this whole experience is lived in, and it just depicts it in such an interesting way. I don't know. I think it's I think it's a great like use of horror to like give insight to the indigenous experience. I don't know. I I. As you, as the lists were going on, I had more thoughts on this that I needed to express, and I was happy that uh, it was coming up on your list. So, yeah, yeah. I think. Um, um, oh. Let's get on to number ones, boys. This is our number ones of 2020, our favorite horror movie of 2020. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's go. Come on, Kyle. Number one. I'm thinking of ending things. Wow. Wow. There it is, baby. There it is. Um, I don't know. I think I don't even know where to fucking begin with this one. This is the kind of movie you need a fucking like essay to really uh, unpack in a way. But uh, for me, this is this is just straight up my shit. This is the kind of shit I dig. I, I, I you know, I guess I've never really considered Charlie Kaufman one of my favorite directors. Like if someone were to ask me my favorite directors, I don't know if I would honestly say him right away. But looking at his filmography, he absolutely is like I love all the films he's made or worked on. And I'm thinking of ending things just fits right into a, a very, very, uh, you know, fantastic filmography. Uh, Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons are just like these weird, like interesting characters that somehow tell such a unique and uniquely crafted story. Um, I think the tension and unsettling nature of this film was easily one of the most uncomfortable watches I've had all year. Well, it, actually it would have to be the most uncomfortable watch I've had all year. And it, it's the kind of movie where I had thought about it in such a great depth after watching it. But the way I knew this movie was going to be so impactful for me is as I was watching it, my mind was going a million places. Like I was really like just even trying to make sense of it as I was watching it. And I think for some viewers and for a lot of people, to be honest, that's a turnoff. Like this is just maybe just some nonsense or it's just some bullshit. And honestly, I don't really blame people for that. I think that's yeah, totally so many, fine. So many people hated this one. Yeah. And I think that's like, I'm, I'm not here to knock anyone for that. I don't, I think that's okay. I think even when I originally talked about this, I made that pretty clear. This is not for everyone. Yeah, but totally. I really think Kaufman is kind of up with the lengths of someone like a Yorgos Lanthimos where he's using like uncomfortable situations in film to create really intense <laughs> situations that aren't really supposed to be intense. Like it's all just dialogue, you know, like, and yeah, some of the imagery in this though too is just genuinely striking. Like, um, the you pig. know, the, the pig, right. Or like, or even like, the way the film does a bit of a sicko mode where you think it's all going to happen in a house. And then next thing you know, Drake or Travis Scott shows up and like, <laughs> I don't know, a, a, a bunch of different, uh, you know, I guess narrative changes occur in this film. But, you know, the more I think about it, the more I go back to certain scenes, everything is so connected in, in really, really interesting ways that this is going to, this is a movie that's going to stick out for me for years to come. And this is by far my favorite horror movie of the year. And it's definitely up there for my favorite film of the year. Um, yeah. It, if you haven't peeped this yet, I highly recommend it. Some people might even might not even consider this a horror film, but I definitely do. I think this is very, uh, very haunting in a lot of ways. Uh, I think, you know, to even to see someone like uh, Kaufman, you know, deal with a genre like this is really, really interesting. 
And I'm happy to say that, like, with all the films we've talked about so far on our list, like, these are some established directors, some brand new directors, all looking at really interesting subject matter and working with horror in really, really different ways. And so even how you're talking at the top of the show, Mitch, about how you think this is one of the best years in horror in general, I think the fact that we've had something like i'm thinking of ending things along with like an underwater along with you know blood quantum that is just those are just the examples it, of it has crazy been su- talent. it's been such an eclectic year yeah there's and been I, I there's been a bit of good. everything oh yeah Absolutely. I, I entirely agree i'm thinking of anything is, is not on my list but i'm so happy to know that it got some representation on here and not only representation but a number one pick uh that's yeah. a movie that i i've been uh i've been listening to a lot of people really hate on and i've fuck, listened to some people all. who love it huh <laughs> did you say fuck them fuck them all. yeah no uh you have your opinion, but also fuck you but yeah no <laughs> my, my the thing that annoys me the thing that annoys me the most about that conversation is people who just like they you know they for lack of better words didn't get it and then to them that makes it a bad movie just so everyone knows, I don't know if anyone in the world got it when right. I'm yeah. thinking of anything's cha- ended. Like, I don't think anyone, if they do say that they called it. I read the book twice. I love that book. I think the movie's better than the book. Uh, and that's a very unpopular opinion. Very unpopular. And, and I'm definitely not out here saying that I understand what happened in this film from head to toe. And I know all the ins and outs of it. That is not at all what I'm saying. But what I'm telling you is I had just a fucking amazing experience watching this film and i will the next time i see it awesome cool that's kyle's number one pick i'm thinking of anything boozy what's your number one i i was a little worried that that mitch figured me out when i was talking about number two but i did figure it out get out of the way you figured it out yeah i I figured it out but i'm totally cool with it totally cool with it my number one one of my favorite directors 100 percent Brian Bertino's The Dark and the Wicked. What a fantastically brutal, violent, mean. This movie is everything that I love in a very bleak way. And I think maybe the reason it does connect with me, like I said, a little bit more, certain movies connect with me in terms of like how you grew up or where you grew up. And like, I used to live on a farm and like shit like this is the shit that terrified like me as a kid living out on a farm. It's like Like when your mom started cutting her hands off. Yeah, the, like hundred percent, like that sort of shit, and like this, this subject matter Christmas in this morning is, shit. Just yeah, just Christmas. We like we. She didn't have enough fingers to like do it forever, so we had to like you know one for every year. That was the kind of the thing. Kyle's wow. just nodding. What a what a what a stretch. What a stretch yeah. on this one. <laughs> but I, I'm pretty I think sure this is that... Brian Bertino's family farm. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. Like they filmed it on his family. I farm. actually believe. You're that makes right. Sense. He, that makes sense. Brian Rotino overall is such a fantastic and brilliant not only director but writer, and I think he he maybe just because of everything that's gone on this year, he did a great job in this film in terms of uh, dealing with guilt and loss and yeah. you know family drama and and you know coming to terms with a lot of things, and I think it's it's done in a very visceral way that that doesn't shy away from the horror aspects of a horror movie while also, you know, having a strong enough story to carry you through it and not a thing where you can go, why don't people just, you know, there's a, you know, to get your characters out of scenes, there's always like that. Why don't they just leave or whatever? And it's, you know, he does such a great job in making this grounded film that way. No, man, I totally agree. That's a wicked pick. And, uh, 
I like I said, this is one that I've been seeing some backlash for recently. A it's, wicked it's, pick? Would you call it a dark yeah, and wicked yeah. pick? Yes. And uh, I I do know I hope people like people listening. There's a couple of my friends listening where we've had conversations about this. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about everybody in general. Um, he's lying. He's lying. It's absolutely you guys. Yes, There's it's no absolutely way it's not you guys. Them. David and Lana, I'm talking about you guys. <laughs> but no, uh, there there are there are a lot of people who um like I, I can totally understand this just not being your thing. But what I one thing I didn't mention about when you when I was talking about it in my top tens is that I've kind of been waiting for that second film from Brian Bertino for a while now. I think The Monster was a decent movie. It was okay. It was a fun enough. Uh, well, it, actually, it wasn't fun. None of Brian Bertino's movies are fun. Um, but I, I think that he really succeeded with what he set out to do with Dark and the Wicked. And I think this is like his definitely his his best since The Strangers. I know he's only done a couple things, but um, I'm totally with you, Boozy. We that's one of the things that made us friends is uh, common love for the strangers in Brian Bertino's movies and his style mm-hmm. of filmmaking. We really like that stuff. So good pick, Boozy. Good pick. All right, so that was your guys. All right, this this is it. My this uh, is it. Is there someone eating Pringles? Can we stop that? Okay, my number one is Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. Did anyone Whoa. see it coming? Shit. Did anyone I actually didn't come? I had, no. I, I actually wasn't it. totally sure, to be honest. I feel like your top yeah. three, I could maybe move around in my head. You're entirely correct there, Kyle. Is that like, and it's it, that could be said about my top five even. Um, but my number one, without a doubt, is Brandon Cronenberg's Possessor. I think that Brandon Cronenberg made a wicked and original sci-fi horror movie that would pair well next to some of his father's best movies. I think Possessor would look so good next to Videodrome. That's and true. That's, it is kind of like it has kind of like a like I don't know DNA movie, of, man. It, the, it's Videodrome. got the it, it. This to me feels like we've all been talking about like as people who I love Cronenberg's modern work too, like Eastern Promises, History of Violence. I love those movies. But I've always wanted him to return to horror in some capacity. And I think Brandon Cronenberg just gave us the best version of that. Like, I think he has got such a vision and such an eye for this genre that I'm so excited to see where he goes with it. Because uh, even though I wasn't a fan of Antiviral, his his first feature, Possessor knocked me out of the park. And I uh, I went and picked it up the other day. I, or Yeah, it was two days ago. I went and bought the Blu-ray. So I've now seen both the theatrical version and the uncut version of the film. I do think the uncut version helps and it's better, uh, but it's just more violence. It's more things. Is it too uh, spoilery to say the differences? Yes. Okay. Uh, no, no, not really. Uh, there, Well, there's a couple things I'll leave out, but what I will say is in the uncut versions, the violence is even more visceral. And the violence in that movie, the theatrical version, was nuts. Like, right. I remember watching the theatrical, like, Ned's, Ned Stark is in this movie. That's everyone right. know everyone knows if Ned Stark's in the movie, he's going to die. His death in the uncut <laughs> yeah. version is so much worse than the, or not even, it's not even his death. Okay, so I don't want to spoil anything. Uh-oh, uh-oh. But no, I only the, watched I, the uncut version. I didn't realize, I forgot oh, that. I forgot to mention yeah. that. It is, it's just a great great movie and i think the the movie it captivated me from beginning to end it has a nihilistic energy and aggressive nature that's concocted with expert level filmmaking and skill and most importantly vision i think cronenberg brandon cronenberg he has a vision and i think that this is one of the most badass movies of the year uh in my opinion this is like 
what I wanted to get out of Tenant, but a horror movie. Like it's it's a mind bender. You're you're gonna have your thoughts thrown into a blender, and you're not gonna know what's real and what's not. You might not love it the first time you see it, but this is a movie that can be dissected for days. And that doesn't mean that it's not awesome without digging deeper into those elements. I just think it is such a solid, solid movie. And uh, it's also, like Kyle mentioned, when you mentioned Possessor in your top 10, Kyle, you mentioned the special effects. The special effects in this movie are fucking brilliant. They're so so good. good. So cool seeing, like, like, the violence and, like, the violence and the special effects in general are just so good in this movie start to finish christopher abbott becoming one of my favorite actors andrea riseborough was unreal i don't know if anyone else could have pulled this role off possessor is my favorite horror movie of 2020 i love this movie i think it is, it is so good and i can't wait for more people to check it out and uh if you it, this is also it's another one of those movies where like we we generally li- i like those movies where i don't understand everything when i finish them I like yeah. thinking about it more afterwards and trying or, or like being challenged to watch it again. But also there's so many different like YouTube videos. If you're if you watch Possessor and you're not really getting it, just go to YouTube and search Possessor Explained. And there there will be some people who will give up. What's so interesting about this one, as opposed to all the other movies I get obsessive about in this way, is everyone's different iterations. They're, they're so different. Everyone's taking something different from this movie. And I think that that's a prime example of a phenomenal, awesome horror movie. So, Possessor, my number one. Wow. wow we did wow, it, wow. boys. Another we year. Another year in the bag. Can you believe it? Yeah. Can you believe it? Well, it was a great year for horror movies. Um, can we stop that, please? It's got to stop. Were you rolling? All right, let's get into our our honorable mentions. So films that didn't make our top 10 list, but movies that we loved regardless. Let's talk about them because I just want to give people as many recommendations as they can for people who are trying to keep up with what happened in 2020 or they want to check out stuff that they might have missed. Let's go with it. So, Kyle, let's start with you again. What are your honorable mentions? All right, well, I want to make a big shout out to a film that didn't quite make my list, but I... For one thing, I think it's a film that people should be checking out. And uh, for another thing, it's hap- I'm happy to have another Canadian uh, you know, name in the field. And that would, of course, be Brandon Christensen with his film Z or Z. Uh, you know, I think this film has a, has a lot of good things going for it. And it was really fun to talk to Brandon on the show about, you know, his experience kind of making films, uh, kind of the some of, some of the production behind this film as well. Uh, this was on Shutter. I think it's still on Shutter. I'm not yeah, really too it's, sure, but it's, it's it's still on Shutter. It actually it when we recorded the episode, it was supposed to right. be on the yes. it was supposed to be on the day that Z was added to Canadian Shutter, right. and yeah. they they ran into some issues. Like it was within minutes of us closing up that episode, where Brandon's like, "Fuck, today just turned out to be shitty because the movie's not loading on Shutter Canada." Right. Um, but either right. way, it, it's it's now on Shutter Canada and Shutter US. Which is too bad, because that very well might be a reason why some people may have missed this film, unfortunately. So yeah. hopefully, uh, you know, folks have checked it out. And if not, uh, I'll, I'd like to just put a little bit of nod to it, because I think uh, I think it's worth peeping game on. So that is Z by Brown and Christensen. Hell yeah! So Kyle's just got one honorable. I just mention. got the one. I didn't. I didn't think we were gonna rapid fire. I it's, I picked. I Kyle, picked Z. it's okay. So, okay, Kyle, it's okay. I picked Z. 
specifically Oops. because I wanted to kind of give some love to uh, like another Canadian filmmaker. That was that was my intention. That and it's a good movie. It's a good yeah. creepy kid movie. Oh yeah, Boozy. What are your honorable mentions? Okay, can I? Should I do all of them, or are we gonna go back and forth? Go do it. Three. Well, it, hey, if you have stuff to say about them, say it while yeah. you go. Okay, so I have three. Two of them we've talked about this year, so I won't be very long on that. Uh, first one, Sea Fever. I thought that was a super fun, uh, out on the ocean, spooky Lovecraft a bit kind of film. It was a ton of fun. That one, I, I think there was some actual creepy parts in it. You could tell that they gave a shit about the movies they were making. Uh, next one, we talked about last episode, I believe, uh, Hunter Hunter. That yeah. one, terrifying, and what an ending. Definitely something that'll stick with you. Probably if you're not super into hardcore would you say like that's kind of like a hardcore ending? Like that's some serious shit. It, like I would say it's a normal North American film, but it has a severe French extreme ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, a bit of a mix mash there. I've but seen I've one... seen it on a ton of top ten lists this year though, so it's good to know that it's getting some representation. I, I personally right. didn't feel like it was top ten worthy, but it uh, it's in my honorable mentions as well. It's crazy. Okay. Okay, so the last film I checked out is a 2020 film called Shortcut that I don't really see anybody kind of talking about, and it reminds me a lot of, it's it's a weird mix-up, it reminds me kind of of Jeepers Creepers 2 mixed with Alien 3 in the weirdest way possible, and it's a creature feature. I think, Mitch, you'd actually really enjoy this movie. Those are it's, two. Those are two widely hated creature movies. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's um, <laughs> I'm into it. This kind of, and th- I'm going to give it another one that you're also going to be like, why am I comparing all these movies to? It reminds me of that kind of interesting mid-2000s popcorn fun, like The Cavern, where it wasn't quite, like, as good yeah. as some of- I, I actually, maybe I'm kind of downplaying this movie, but I thought it was a ton of fun, and it was a very cool practical creature feature. I think that a lot of people could watch it and maybe tear it apart, but I saw a lot of fun in this movie. It's Like, if this movie had come out when I was 12, and I was going to Blockbuster, I'd be renting this, like, you know, once every other month. Because it's just that kind of, like, goofy creature fun. Awesome. Cool. So that's Shortcut. Do you have any other honorable mentions? That's it. That's it? All right. Um, I have a lot of honorable mentions, so I'm just going to rush through them. Uh, But first is Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist. This is just a documentary sort of look conversation with William Friedkin on the making of The Exorcist. As someone who considers that in my top five favorite films of all time, um, I I have listened, I have read, I have watched a lot of making ofs of The Exorcist or things behind the scenes. I feel like this is the best and most intimate portrayal of the making of that movie, that legendary movie. And I think that um, if you're a fan of Friedkin, you're going to love this. It's on Shutter. It's, I think it's even, it's under an hour long. So, um, I, it wasn't something that I was going to highlight on my top 10 favorites, but I wanted to mention it because I thought this thing was awesome. I loved Leap of Faith. I also, the one movie that I cut from my list last minute, I own, the only reason I cut it from my list is because people can't see it yet. And I didn't, I didn't want to give a bunch of movies from the, like, you know, in a realistic world, I probably would have mentioned a couple more movies that we played at the film festival. Uh, but I don't want to rub it in that, like, there's these movies that I saw that people can't see yet. Um, so I just want to give people this is a movie that we showed at the festival that I think you should keep an eye out for. And that is called Row, 
It is a Malaysian horror movie. It's also, it goes by Roe or the English title is Soul. Uh, not the Pixar film Soul. It's a very different movie. <laughs> this is like a Malaysian folktale. I would put it up there with, for people who are fans of The Witch. I think you're really going to enjoy this movie. It would have been on my top 10 this year if I wanted to be an asshole. Um, but I, I didn't want to I didn't want to put on movies that people can't see yet. But it is definitely a movie that you need to keep an eye out for this year. Once again, that is the Malaysian horror movie called Roe. Um, I also have The Devil All the Time, which is a movie that I spoke about on the last book club. I reviewed the book uh, Devil All the Time by Donald Ray Pollock. This is the movie, of course, that's on Netflix now. It's starring um, what's his name from the, the Spider Man? Tom Holland, yes. Tom Holland. We got Tom Holland. We got um, my favorite actor currently, Robert Pattinson, Sebastian Stan. Uh, that dude from Pet Cemetery, what's his name? Jason Clark, he's in this. Uh, uh, the chick from The Lodge, who I really like, what's her, um, Presley, she's Presley's daughter. Uh, Riley Keough, Riley Keough is in the film, she's great. Um, but yeah, The the Devil All the Time was a great movie. I just like, I would have loved to see a series on that, that story, because I know how rich the book was. It was one of my favorite books I've read in years. And but the movie did a very good job of portraying the the best of of the book. Uh, it's a very strong strong watch. So that's the devil all the time. I also have Host, which Kyle already talked about. I don't need to mention much more about that. It's just a great horror movie. Really fun time this year. Z, uh, Brandon Christensen. Z was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed that. Hunter Hunter, like Boozy said, was uh, extremely bleak and punishing watch. Uh, but it is one that I see pop up on a lot of different top tens. So I think it's one that regardless if we mentioned it on our top tens specifically, is one you should keep an eye out for because this seems to be a movie that's connecting with a lot of people. I also loved Freaky. Freaky was a lot of fun. The Vince Vaughn, Catherine Newton movie. It was just very enjoyable, light, fluffy, fun. Would have been on my top ten, but the other movies that I mentioned just had – they they resonated with me in a different level than this one. Um, a couple like a movie that I watched right before we recorded this was spiral. Have you guys either heard of spiral? Like yeah. the saw movie? Well, it's, it's not the, it's not the saw movie. Oh. Uh, this is a, it's a new movie that's on shutter. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a cult movie. Anyone who's listening, who has read the Paul Tremblay book, the cabin at the end of the world, it's very similar in story to that. Uh, but it is just it's it's a cult movie set around a gay couple and their daughter and them moving into a new house that uh, things aren't normal at. And it's another one of those movies where it's it's going to leave you gutted. Uh, it, it hurts to watch it, but it was a very strong movie. Uh, I really enjoyed Spiral. The Rental, Boozy mentioned enough about it. I don't need to talk about it too much. Uh, I thought that movie was a blast. A movie that I loved that no one else liked is a movie that John Allison gave to me, which was The Pool. Uh, I know Boozy couldn't even get through it. I know a lot of listeners who couldn't get through it. Those who did get through it didn't like it. I tried showing it to Courtney, and Courtney made me turn it off. And uh, <laughs> I I really like it. I think it's a super fun, 
nature run amok movie that's just it's a crocodile in a swimming pool wait with a guy. i finished that movie don't say that i turned it off the first time i did finish that movie okay well you never you never talked about finishing it um oh, i never yeah, heard your was... thoughts on it but uh, but this was one that was going to be on my list for a long time and uh it, like i i really enjoyed it but i i know that there's for the most part people don't seem to have liked it as much as i did uh but i really enjoyed that and of course aaron b Koontz's latest film the pale door it was a ton of fun, a really cool witch Western film. Uh, it's now available on Shutter everywhere, so I definitely recommend people check that one out. Um, I'm just a fan of Aaron B. Koontz, so I also, like, I didn't want to blow him on the show too much. I'm happy that Boozy put on Scare Package on your list because it rightfully deserves to be there. But uh, The Pale Door was a ton of fun as well, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what Aaron B. Koontz comes up with next. Those are my honorable mentions. <laughs> So you guys ready to get on to our listeners? Sure. Let's do it. Oh, boys, this is going to be a beefy episode, uh, but let's get on to it. So we got listener top tens. First of all, I'm going to start off with an email that was supposed to be read on October 1st. Uh-oh. <laughs> this was an email that was meant uh, for October 1st on our four-year anniversary. Uh, the reason I'm reading it now is because when we were going to read it, this guy was on the show. So I didn't want to read his message while he was on the show. Uh, but this is from our friend Daniel Epler. Congrats on four years of the terror table. Podcasting seems easy, but keeping consistency going for that long is anything but. You all deserve a lot of credit for how hard you've worked on the show. You know I've been a fan of the show for a long time, and I'll be totally honest that I've missed a lot of episodes this year. Since I started my own podcast, focused on old horror flicks, I've gotten so checked out of the modern horror scene both in both in movies and in podcasts. However, I've been catching up on new stuff lately, and that includes your show. It's been a blast listening to your back catalog recently. I think the highlights have been Boozy saying, watching I Know What You Did Last Summer is what he imagines doing heroin is like. <laughs> wow. Okay. I forgot about that. I kind of forgot about that as well. Yeah. Uh, and Mitch talking about how on the edge of the... On the edge of his seat, he was during the original The Fly. Hell yeah. Um, but I don't want to leave Kyle out. It's been a great hearing from him, and I already have a ton oh. of respect for that dude. I also want to thank you guys for being wow. the earliest. I also want to thank you guys for being the earliest supporters of my own podcast and giving me several shout outs. It's always been greatly appreciated and really helped bring me some bring me some ears in my early days. Oh, and congratulations on the incredible guests you've been getting lately. It's super inspiring, and I love how hard you guys work to bring attention to new indie films that need it. I really believe that's important work. All the best to you guys, Daniel Epler. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you. What a sweetheart. Thank you. I remember getting that like a couple days before he was about to come on the show, and I was like, I can't read this when he's on the show. Right. Uh, But yeah, You should have made him read it to us. Yeah, Yeah, that would have been sick. That would have been funny. (laughs) All right, so now now we we reached out to our listeners and we said, send us your top 10 favorite horror movies of the year. And a bunch of you delivered. So this, yep. for the next like 10, 15 minutes, we're going to be naming these off. I'm going to take a sip of my whiskey drink, which is probably my sixth. This I'll take a, a whiskey drink? He'll take a vodka drink. All right, so, bo- so Jeff... <laughs> Jeff Drake leads off with a diss on Boozy. Well, I, no, 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 there's, a, there's Lana I, has one first. Okay, well, just wait. I'm going to get to the Lana one. But, okay. But, okay, so multiple people dissed you, Boozy? Okay, understood. Okay, because Jeff... I guess? Well, well, Jeff said, 
while Boozy's analysis throughout 2020 was spotty at best, it was a very strong wow. year for the horror genre. Here's the Drake's Dirty Dozen. And I think what he's meaning by that is that, Boozy, you, you focused on Tubi movies and older movies, and I love that about you. And I love, I think that's such a, <laughs> I think that's an important part of our show. Um, I'd like to think that I put enough work into like modern movies that I'm the guy who, I'll, I'll, right. I'll always try my best to bring you guys up to date on the latest horror movies that are coming out, independent or not. Um, but Boozy's always digging deep for those fucking treasures that not a lot of people look for. Apparently but Apparently it's spotty, though. Well, it, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. It needs to be I'm represented by someone. Truffles. <laughs> yes. All right. So this is Jeff's top. T- he sent us his tw- top 12. Number 12, She Dies Tomorrow. I haven't seen that one yet. Number is that a James Bond film? It's not. <laughs> number number eleven, the five rules of success. Another movie I didn't see. I'm assuming he saw this at Fantasia because I know Jeff was. Uh, he watched a ton of movies at Fantasia. Number ten, I can talk about the Block Island Sound. This is a great, great Lovecraftian horror movie that is coming. Your guys, I need to see this. It was a movie that we were hoping to play at the festival, but it didn't happen. But the Block Island Sound, either way, is a great movie. Uh, number nine. Jim his, Cummings is in it. Is he? Huh. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's where I recognized him from. Because I saw the Block Island song before I saw Wolf of Snow Hollow. Interesting. Uh, yeah, way, this looks it's incredible. A, it's a great movie, Boozy. You're going to really like it. Uh, don't expect monsters. Just expect a cool movie. It's a cool movie. Number nine, His House. Number eight, Violation. Number seven, The Lodge. Number six, The Mortuary Collection. Number five, Bleed With Me. Number four, my heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Number three, fried berry. Number two, yummy, which is a crazy zombie movie that I watched this year as well. It's on Shudder. Uh, and number one, the dark and the wicked. So that nice. is Jeff, Jeff Drake's list. All right. We got uh, Lana sent us a message. Lana, one of our favorites. One of the, oh, they got, we don't like to play favorites, but we're going to call all of you our favorites. <laughs> uh, but we love one of our favorites. Good, like, not really, but like actually. a backtrack on that one. If, if we're being real, I've met Lana twice in real life. I met her at uh, Florida at Florida when we went to Universal Horror Nights. And oh, she also, yeah, she flew here. She flew here last year. Uh, to visit while Andy and Bianca were here. She's from Boston, Massachusetts. Love you, Lana. Lana says, hi, no order, but here, no order here, but my number one of 2020 is Black Bear, no question, uh, which is a movie that I know, Kyle, I've been forcing it down your throat. I'm going to get forcing. Yeah, I've been forcing it down your throat since uh, I saw it. Um, I'm so happy and not surprised at all that Lana loved Black Bear as much as I did, because uh, that is that's my number two of the entire year, which we'll get to. I'm going to I'm going to mention those. Uh, but she says the movies that she really liked were Hunter Hunter, Freaky, The Devil All the Time, The Babysitter, Killer Queen, Becky, The Rental, The Dark and the Wicked, which she later redacted. She redacted The Dark and the Wicked because both both her and David Hopkins were not big fans of it. Um, But so she told me to take that off her list. (laughs) Whatever. Noted. Uh, Noted. The the Invisible Man, Shirley, Black Bear, Scare Me, Host, Underwater, His House, and Love and Monsters. I don't know if it counts, but it is sci-fi, so close enough. I just want to say, if Love and Monsters were to be considered a horror movie, it would have been in my top 10. That is a great movie that people need to be keeping an eye out for, especially people like Boozy, who love frogs. 
there is a monster frog in Love and Monsters. The problem with Love and Monsters when it comes to Boozy is it's a very lighthearted, fluffy, fun movie. And I know those aren't generally your things, uh, but it's a ton of fun. I love Love and Monsters. I like that uh, the reviews are specifically whether I will like it or not. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. I've been trying. I've been catering to you since day one, baby. Uh, Lana says, love you. We love you, Lana. We love you long time. And Kyle even got to meet Lana when she uh, yeah. she came to the, Ra- the Ramey Art Center. It was so funny because she at that point, she had no idea that Kyle was going to be a new member of the Tear Table. No and one was, did. It was, all, a, it was a magical told, moment. Yeah, exactly. All I told them was, like, I told uh, Lana, Andy, and Bianca, I was like, this is just going to be one of the best guys you meet in Saskatoon. He's a great dude. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hopefully yeah, I lived I up to it. It was great meeting Lana. That was a, it was a lot of fun. I think I signed something at one point. I don't remember what it was now, but uh, my signature's out there. So shout out. I talked you up quite a bit. <laughs> All right. The next one is from Lindsay Wilkins, who is the host of the Schlock and Awe podcast, which just started. And I've been shout out Schlock and Awe. Um, yeah. Lindsay says, hey. I've been loving the work you have all been doing. So thank you for the help. Uh, the Thank you for helping to make 22 a t- 2020 a touch better. My favorites aren't that original. Possessor, the Mortuary Collection, the Wolf of Snow Hollow, Freaky, and the Lighthouse, because it technically came out in January 2020 in Australia, uh, mm-hmm. where Lindsay is from. Hoping 2021 is a friendlier and less pandemic year for everyone from Lindsay. So thank you so much, thank Lindsay. You, Lindsay. Yeah. Thank you so really much. I appreciate that. Also, that was our unanimous number one last year was The Lighthouse. That's uh, right. We mm-hmm. you know, loved The Lighthouse last year. That was our number one favorite horror movie of the, the year. Uh, our boy Bryson messages in and he says, hey, you sexy motherfuckers. Oh. Here is my top 10 wow. for the year. <laughs> number 10, Sputnik. Number nine, Monstrum, which is a movie I didn't even give an honorable mention, but it's such a great movie. Monstrum was a ton of fun. That's a giant monster movie that's on shutter if you haven't watched it yet it's so good uh number eight the color out of space number seven another movie i wanted on my list after midnight uh the new jeremy garden henry zabrowski yes hong kong zabrowski uh number seven <laughs> after midnight number six the wolf of snow hollow number five vfw number four the invisible man number three underwater and he says big ass monsters will get me every time Number two, The Dark and the Wicked. The Dark and the Wicked. What a creepy-ass movie. Very intense, and I can't wait to see what Bertino is going to do more in the future. And number one, Spontaneous. I absolutely love this movie. Catherine Langford's character in this, I just absolutely fell in love with. I would say that Charlie Plummer is a little odd, but he was very inoffensive to me. I felt every emotion of this movie, and it was a huge surprise for me because I went in knowing very little and expecting nothing, and wow, was I impressed. There are a ton of, there are a few movies I haven't got around to yet. I really want to, like Possessor, The Rental, Relic, Love and Monsters, and Freaky. I, I'd also like to do my top 10 favorite episodes of the movies you guys introduced me to this year in no particular order. Wow. Uh, so this is from Bryson. Number five, Honeymoon. That was a great episode. Oh, yeah. I had such a good time talking about that. I'm so happy we could finally talk about Honeymoon because I love that movie. I know you guys did as <laughs> that well. That was fun. Number four, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Oh, banger. Banger. Yeah. yeah. Number three, Little Shop of Horrors. Banger. You guys ready for number two? I'm scared. <laughs> Ernest, scared. Oh, <laughs> Hell yeah. I think everyone appreciates Ernest more this year. Yeah, because Ernest is the greatest. And his yeah. number one his number one movie that he learned about from us is Stay Alive. 
And he says, this pick is for you, Kyle. Oh, Kyle. Oh, my God. A personal shout out. Yes. He says, I still absolutely love the show and get so excited every time I see a new episode pop up into my feed. Thanks for everything you guys do. And I can't can't wait to see what's next. Bryson. Oh, thank thank you, Bryson. Thank you so much, man. Thanks. That's also really appreciate that he tells us what movies he found because of this, which is (laughs) like like one of our favorite parts of the show. Dude, I think it, it was our first year being a podcast where he, re, he he's done this every year now. And I remember the first time he did it, Jaws was the movie that he watched because of our show. That's crazy. He, mm-hmm. he had never seen Jaws before. And I, I love that. I Oh, man, I, I really hope other people are enjoying the show the way that you do, Bryce. And really appreciate it. All I can say is I hope we get that Scream Factory Blu-ray release of Stay Alive. Um, <laughs> let's start petitioning for it. Let's get it going. Let's we have it. two pre-orders right here. All right, this That's next... honestly more than some of them, let's be honest. Yeah, this <laughs> next one's from our boy Daniel Epler, who you heard from before. Uh, but this message was sent within days ago. That, that message I read at the beginning, he sent months <laughs> ago, so it's kind of unfair that I read it on this This is episode. current Daniel now. He's just but... a Stan, and we love him for it. I love Stan. I, I mean, I love Daniel. <laughs> I love Stan. I love Stan. So do I. I wouldn't say that Daniel's a Stan for the Daredevil, but he he's just a he's a friend of the show, and I've loved getting to know him specifically. But uh, what's up, guys? First off, it's been a pleasure listening to the podcast this year. You've been doing some really great work, and many thanks for having me on the show this year, and for Mitch coming on to Cobwebs. Uh, my top 10 for this year is attached. I saw far less new releases than usual, but I did manage to squeeze in 32, which isn't too bad. This is my top 10 for all genres, but it is very horror heavy. All the best to you guys in 2021. Uh, so this is one I had to screenshot what he sent. I'm going to pull it up here. I got it in no time. Guys, you're going to have to filibuster for me because it didn't say. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I didn't, heard... I didn't realize that was part of the plan here i did oh my god we got, i can we probably got two, pull this up r- remind me that we just got two more emails we got two more emails oh from god. listeners uh, two so more got, emails yeah we got to read those for sure but uh, okay i got it here so daniel's number one okay i'm gonna go from 10 to one and these are including all genres so at number 10 he put freaky uh at number nine he put soul which kyle and i talked about before the show started great film uh, number eight, he put Debt Collector, which is like a low budget horror or low budget action movie. I believe. I believe he's been super into action movies, as I have been as well. I've been watching the Van Damme and Schwarzenegger movies, whereas he's been watching the Ad- <laughs> Scott Adkins movies, which uh, is a part of a podcast that he really enjoys called Adkins Undisputed. Um, number seven, he has Happiest Season. Have any of you guys seen Happiest Season? I didn't see it yet. I feel like no. I'll no. Okay. Um, number six, the rental, uh, number, oh, yeah. number five, the invisible man, number four, the mortuary collection, number three. Yeah. It's, and yeah, mortuary collection is great. I got a, uh, I got a peep game. Yeah, his too. number three favorite of the year is birds of prey. And his number two is Palm Springs, oh, which banger. is a movie that, yeah. Okay. So I haven't seen the last 20 minutes. Oh, I watched, what? I know, oh, I know, I know. I was loving it. I was loving it, but I was just having a very rough day where I was like, I yo, I need a nap. So like I I slept fully knowing I was gonna finish it. I still haven't finished it, but I, I did it out, love man. what I saw. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. Oh yeah, Palm Springs. And his number one favorite movie of the year is Color Out of Space. Uh so it's a movie. Right, that is really a great loved. movie. Yeah, it's a very good movie. 
Um, all right. So thank you so much, Daniel. Really appreciate it. We got more list, more, more, uh, lists in just now. Thank you everyone. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Oh, dude, we're, we're, there's still so many to go, but I'm going to keep reading them because I love hearing this shit. This one's from my boy, Elio. Elio says, Hey y'all watched a ton of horror movies this year, but at the same time, they were all, di- they were all from, they were from all different years. So I only have a handful that really stood out to me that I enjoyed from 2020. Uh, so here he goes. He says, The Cleansing Hour, a modern exorcism story. I thought a really clever and fun approach to how an exorcism would go down in 2020. It sort of loses the thread in the back half, but I thought it was a really interesting flick with some fun effects and some pretty intense sca- scenes. Uh, just read this. Just read this was initially filmed in 2019, but I saw it was a 2020 release and it was great. Uh, another one he mentions, a Scare Package. A super fun anthology yeah. film, a genuinely funny movie with some clever shorts and a great Joe Bob appearance. Uh, this one, this is one of those anthologies which was never, which was super smart and clever without being like snooty, but at the same time, too over the top and stupid. I greatly enjoyed it. Uh, the next one he mentions is Host, which he says is an instant classic. One of the best clever movies I've seen in a long time. Absolutely gutting scares and such a clever use of found footage and zoom. This is something that I honestly think will all be talked talked about for a long time. Uh, another one he mentions is Anything for Jackson, a super fun reverse possession film, some awesome practical effects, a really good plot, and some charming performances by some old folks. <laughs> reverse uh, possession. Interesting. Yes. This was an absolute hoot and blew me blew away every expectations I had. So this is, I know this is a new one to Shutter Canada, anything for Jackson. I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list. Uh, and then he also writes The Pale Door, the second Aaron B. Koontz movie on the list, a little slow, but a genuinely fun Western. When shit hits the fan here, it really hits the fan. There's an awesome scene with some someone eating glass that is such a good reveal. Uh, this was a really great movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. I watched a ton of movies over the year, but these stood out as 2020 releases that were very fun. Uh, so thank you, Elio. Thank you. Wow. Thanks so much. And okay, I got to keep pulling them up here, boys. Uh, we got one from John Ellison. I'm trying to find it. My man, John, our main, uh, he's going to be selling all our feet pictures on our website. <laughs> So you guys are our, our webmaster that game. Yeah, yeah. John is the webmaster. He says, hi guys, here is my top 10 list with a few comments plus honorable mentions without comments. Uh, number 10 host. This is an excellent contained movie that shows what you can do with limited resources and a compact time. I'm hoping that we get more movies with shorter running times that ma- that match w- what the story demands. Uh, number nine, he says the dark and the wicked. I love the atmosphere and how bleak the story is. Number eight, The Invisible Man. It gets a bit ridiculous with the supernatural killing power of the villain. The last movie I saw in the theater right before COVID hit, and I had a lot of fun with it. Number five, Relic. This was creepy and disturbing and also had so much heart. I love the relationship between the three leads. Number six. Okay, so I got these mixed up. Oh, he fucked up. He he did. I don't think he gave me a seven. I don't think he gave me a seven. It's okay. Uh, Either way, number six, Sea Fever. I saw this last year and wanted it to be a part of the festival, but it just didn't work out. It had an alien vibe while doing something completely different. Number five, His House. I could easily see this as one submitted in the best foreign film category, and it is a shame how little push Netflix is giving it. Such a good story with intense scares. 
Entirely agree on that. Netflix has done almost nothing for that movie. They put it on their fucking queue, and that's it. They should have been pushing this thing harder. Like, there's so many garbage Netflix movies that they did not put that they pushed so hard, and his house was not one of them. Number four, Possessor, uncut. The violence felt so real and dark. I also love the visuals and how he showed the psychological battle of wills. Uh, number three, The Hunt. This was just plain fun with a terrific lead. I would have loved to see this with a big audience. So that's a movie that we none of us mentioned. Yeah. Did you guys? Did any of no. you guys? Okay, I, I saw the hunt. Ended up seeing it. Yeah, it's 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 super fun. Like this one's I'm just drinking my eighth whiskey of the night. Uh oh, <laughs> we are eight whiskeys deep. Yeah, no, but the 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 hunt was a ton of fun. Uh, very cool. My favorite my favorite performance from uh, what's her name from Scream Four. Oh, Emma Roberts. Come on. Yes, Emma, Emma Roberts. That's my my favorite performance she's ever given. Was it given was in the hunt. Uh, well, number you, two. You didn't like the holiday? Not really my thing. No. Okay. Uh, number number two. He put underwater. Other other than TJ. Wow. Miller, yeah. Other than TJ Miller, this was such an intense, near perfect genre flick, and it should it should have opened at a better time of the year. I would love to know what the studio somewhat why I would love to know why the studio somewhat buried it in January. His it number one pick. It was supposed sorry? to come out in the summer, the previous summer. I think True. we talked about this at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his John Allison's number one pick of the year is Spontaneous. Uh, this one had so much heart, and I loved all characters. I think Mitch is going to turn around on this one eventually and agree with all the reviews. I feel <laughs> it. I feel it will ultimately become the Heather's of this generation. I Whoa, oh, wow, just, that's a I, big. It, it, it will not be the Heather's of this generation because it's not nearly as good of a movie as Heather's. Um, but I, yeah, tons of people really enjoyed Spontaneous. Um, he also says, here's a quick list of honorable mentions. Bloody Hell, Uncle Peckerhead, Violation, Bleed With Me, The Wolf of Snow Hollow, Sputnik, The Block Island Sound, The Columnist, The Beach House, Freaky, and My Heart Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To. Happy New Year's. Uh, so that is from John Allison. Thank, Thank you, John. John. Thank you so right, much. We got, two, we got two left. We got two left. So uh, this one's from Jason Hamill, and it just came in. It's hot off the presses. Yeah. Unfortunately, I did not watch many movies that came out this year. Was too busy watching Blair Witch 2, Book of Shadows. Okay, so this is a Jason Hamble email that I have not proofread before I'm reading it now. Uh -oh. so it's okay. It's okay. It just, it just came in. Uh, number five, The Lodge. Super surprising coming from Jason. Uh, but number five, The Lodge. Probably not the best film that came out this year, but it was the last film I saw in theaters, and I like how much the director dislikes kids. <laughs> so... <laughs> True, very true, because that's the same directors who did Goodnight Mommy. Uh, number four, The Invisible Man. Pleasantly surprised by this one, Elizabeth Moth had a solid performance despite being a Scientologist. <laughs> it always has to be mentioned. You could just tell Jason's one of our boys. <laughs> uh, number three, Relic. Good pacing, ambiguous, creepy, and weird without being confusing or pretentious. However, an Australian film with no kangaroos is a zero out of ten for me. <laughs> He had okay. me right up until the end. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, really? <laughs> okay, so his really number pulled two... pulled a sicko mode on us. His number two is Possessor. Putting this film in the Blu-ray player as we speak, so technically I haven't seen it, but I'm sure I like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. And for sure, Jason's going to love Possessor. <laughs> yeah, that's butter. That's so funny. <laughs> All right, his number two is Come and See. 
Now, this film came out in 1985 and isn't horror, but a real visceral and grounded war film. Oh, this movie's <laughs> amazing. This is actually a really terrifying film. It's a, it's a very grounded war film that goes right into the horrors of Belarus during the Second World War. Criterion did a great restoration and release of it this year, and I'd recommend checking it out. Be warned, it's a total bummer. Honestly, I absolutely approve of that top pick. It makes sense. Oh, I fucking love Jason so much. All right, what an la- angel. Last one, but not least, is from Lauren Carr. All right, so here you go, folks. Watching Possessor this evening. This is Jason's <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> so, like, she's watching double Possessor. Whammy right now. Yeah, watching Possessor this evening, so I can't include it, but I heard it's very gross and also super excellent. So it'll probably make my list if I don't have a panic attack watching it. PSA, <laughs> I'm including I'm including all the 2020 horror films I've watched regardless of if they were good or real bad. I didn't watch enough to have a really good top of the list, so here you go. So she says, the good. The Invisible Man. It's just amazing that this didn't end up being a campy, stupid mess. So well acted and genuinely upsetting. Totally agree. The Lodge, pretty much the same movie as Goodnight Mommy, and I don't hate that one bit. Kids can actually go fuck off. I'd be pretty scary... <laughs> I'd be pretty scary too if someone stole my brain meds. Um, relic, gloomy, gloomy, spooky grandma horror. True. Uh, the platform. I watched this peak lockdown and was sort of into it. Gross. I forgot about the platform. I did not like that movie, and there, it's on tons of top tens though. So I'm totally like stoked that people enjoyed it. But yeah, that one uh, that's been on tons of top ten lists that I've read recently. Uh, and then her last one, she says, is color out of space. Creatures, Neon, Nick Cage. That's all that needs to be said. Um, And then her meh list. She has a list of meh. Oh, boy. Um, Come to Daddy. That film location set is my dream home, but I don't give a fuck about this movie, though pretentious hipster Elijah Wood weirdly makes me a little hot. (laughs) Totally with you on that. Totally. And it would explain why you're dating Jason Hamill. Um, The Pool. She said in her Matt category, the pool, leave the dog alone. So I'm not gonna yeah, spoil, I'm not gonna spoil that, but there's a savage dog moment in the pool. I remember both Lauren and Jason hating the pool when I recommended it to them. Uh, then she says on her meh list is uh, Z. She says this is a shitty Baba Duke. Um, then she also says Amulet. Her her uh, review for this one is nah dog. Okay. Amulet. I, I saw Amulet. We showed we showed that at the Broadway Theater with uh, it was our two nights of thrills and trills with Fright Night and House, and then it was Amulet and Twelve Hour Shift. Uh, I thought this one was very very confusing, and uh, it didn't do a lot for me either. I know Courtney liked it, but she also I I mentioned it the other day. And she's like, which one's Amulet? <laughs> so that's always just... a good sign. And then she also said, Freaky. Some fun parts, but I didn't overly care about this one. God bless Lauren. Uh, Lauren also goes by C Slang on Instagram. If you don't follow her, you need to. She's an incredible tattoo artist from Vancouver, British Columbia. Uh, so follow her. That is at C Slang. Uh, but that's everything we got from listeners, you guys. That wow. was wow. Yeah. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks, everyone. That was yeah, awesome. W- wasn't expecting to have that much, but thank you guys. That was a ton of fun to read those, and I'm happy that it sounds like everyone had a pretty great year in horror. So uh, that's exciting. But my dogs, you want <laughs> to get into you want to get into the very last part of this episode. The little this is a bonus part of the episode. 
All right, so now we're going to name off our top 10 favorite albums of the year. We're not going to spend much time on these. We're just going to name off the albums that stood out to us. Since we are a horror podcast, uh, we're not going to spend an extended amount of time on these albums. But Kyle, do you want to name us through your top 10 favorite albums of the year for people to check out? If you feel like there's something you want to mention for people, go hard and let them, let them know while you're, while you're naming them off. If you want to give a little bit of a synopsis behind the band or something, not saying you need to, but if, uh, if you want to, there you go. Deal, deal. Okay. I'll probably fire through these relatively fast. Um, I was kind of mentioning to the boys earlier, uh, uh, before we were recording even how this year was kind of weird for me where I felt like I listened to a lot of singles and not a lot of albums, which is fucked to say, but honestly, that that's kind of where I'm at. I have 2020 of you. It is somewhat 2020 of me. So this was a bit of a hard list only because I really wanted to put 10 albums that I genuinely could like stand by and put my seal of approval on and like really soaked in and kind of uh, could, uh, you know, give that recommendation to the listeners. Anyways, with that being said, I do have one quick honorable mention and that is to the Pup EP, This Place Sucks Ass, yep. which is, uh, I guess, my favorite EP of the year. Uh, Pup is a great Canadian band. Uh just fucking some of the best music coming out right now then as for my actual list at number 10 i have the new grimes album miss anthropocene or the fuck you pronounce it uh kind of the album grimes has been trying to make for years good shit uh at number nine i have heinz with the prettiest cure uh these are fucking killer musicians uh their first two records have been sort of these like lo-fi kind of rock and roll albums this one's a bit more popular but i still really enjoy it number eight i have the strokes with the new abnormal fucking great album from the strokes kind of not been the biggest fan of the last i don't know maybe three strokes albums to be completely honest but this one kind of felt like they were returning to form while doing something completely different at the same time big fan of this one uh number seven i have pine grove with their album marigold Really good, kind of like uh, emo folk, Midwest tinge sort of uh, style, I guess, like Americana music. Uh, just some good, like easy listening stuff that I really, really dug this year. Number six, I have Idols with Ultramano. Good Fucking pick. Great, great album. Love this band in general. Um, I feel like Idols has been kind of getting a lot of attention lately, which is great. Uh, I do love their first two records actually quite a bit more than this one. However, that being said, I still really dug Ultramano, uh, especially the song Grounds. I think that is a standout track. I think people should check out. Number five, I think Mitchell definitely, and Boozy probably will bring this one up as well. I got Touche Amore with Lament. This is just a fucking beautiful, beautiful post-hardcore screamo, whatever you want to say, album. Uh, extremely emotional, uh, and these guys are just constantly creating the best stories, uh, like crafting the best stories in the genre without a doubt. Number four, I have Charlie XCX with How I'm Feeling Now. If Host is the quarantine movie, this is the quarantine album. This was made entirely right at the beginning of lockdown with mixing going from several different producers and album artwork being made from friends on Instagram, a total collaborative process, and one of Charlie's best albums. I'm a huge fan of hers, and this is uh, just another great showing. Number three, I got the 1975 with notes on a conditional form. Some people, not a huge fan of this album. For me, this one really grew on me over time. It's too long. That's its biggest issue as a bit of filler tracks. However, in my mind, like the more I keep going back to the real standout cuts in this album. And when I listen it front to back, it actually kind of uh, transitions really well for me. Really, really dug it. 
Number two, I got Phoebe Bridgers with Punisher. This is like the fucking singer-songwriter album of the year, without a doubt. If you haven't been listening to Phoebe Bridgers, uh, you absolutely should be. If you're kind of a fan of sort of, I guess, acoustic, singer-songwriter type music, this is great stuff. However, I think Phoebe Bridgers is kind of like the Smiths, where it's these beautiful, beautiful arrangements, but the lyrics are depressing and dark and really cathartic. So huge into that. And then my number one album is 100 Gex with 1000 Gex and the Tree of Clues, the remix album for their album that came out last year. Uh, kind of my cheat of getting that album on the list, but also I love this fucking remix album. There is some crazy, crazy stuff in here featuring a remix that has Fallout Boy Craig Owens of Chiodos on the cut doing an insane uh, <laughs> on the in, cut insane, Love Craig insane Owens. remix of uh, Hand Crushed by a Mallet. Um, 100 Gex are easily one of the most experimental, weirdest fucking outfits in music right now. But I think this remix album kind of shows uh, the potential they have and also the creativity they have uh, moving forward. Uh, anyways, yeah, that was music for me this year. Uh, some good albums. Check them out if uh, any of that sounds appealing to you. Great picks, nice. Kyle. Great picks. All right, Boozy, what do you got for us? Uh, I okay. I think they're all in order. Yeah. Do you uh, have any honorable 10, mentions? I, um, yes, I do actually. Uh, honorable mention: RMR drug dealing is a lost art form. Great. Yeah. Huge. Arm is amazing. And, is it RMR or is it rumor? I've I heard. I've heard both. I've heard both, but most of it's coming from my Siri, who doesn't really know what's going on either. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's blind leading the blind at that point. Uh, anyways, okay. So number ten, I have Thrashwall with their self-titled album. Um, basically, these dudes are Indonesian version of Metallica, Ride the Lightning era. It's a ton of fun. Uh, it's not. You don't have to think about it. You just put it on, and it just melts your face off. It's a lot of fun. Uh, number seven, I have Resurgence by The Guild. Uh, the Guild is a super sweet... Uh, I don't even know what... Did you go from number 10 to number seven? No, sorry. I, number nine, I meant. Okay, number nine. Yeah, number nine. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, The Guild, uh, they're pretty sweet. I don't... They're some kind of metal. Um... <laughs> There's like a million subgenres of metal now. Yeah, true enough. Um, number nine is Deftones' White Pony Black Stallion remix. That album is a ton of fun. Uh, I really like the remix of I think Passenger is probably one of my favorites. That Passenger is Mike. Really cool. That Mike Shinoda remix is amazing. Right, and I love so all good. the videos for it. Um. So what else? What number was that? Was that? Well, you said number nine three times. So I think you're on number eight. Or is number eight Deftones? Yeah, number eight is Deftones. Okay, now go to number seven. seven. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, number seven is uh, Ultraviolet by Misery Signals. Really nice to hear some Misery Signals back. Um, definitely the most cohesive they've sounded in an album or so <laughs> um what else do i got here and uh splinters from ever changing face that was awesome album really in your face uh swayze saint angry shout out to the local boys Back. yes Back. 
Um, like Moss to Flames, No Eternity in Gold. Probably the most coherent like Moss to Flames have ever been. As someone who like has followed them forever, this is the album I've been waiting for them to put out, where they actually like put songs together. <laughs> I know what you mean. No, they they learned how to write songs. It took them forever, and I'm just I'm so proud of them. They're just yeah, they're a metalcore band. Um, next one is October Forever Driveways. I think Driveways has infected all of the terror table, and that we all love them. Yep. Um. Obviously, you know, the runner-up here, uh, Ohms by Deftones. Ohms was an incredible album. It's so nice to hear these guys back and in rare form. I think this is like the best grouping of their songs in the last couple albums. And number one is As One by Rot, which is my favorite hardcore album in like a couple years. I don't know, like them and Kublai Khan have just been doing it for me. So yeah, awesome. that's my uh, wow. list. Hell yeah. So you got lots of metal, lots of hardcore in there. <clears throat> Sick. Uh, all right, my top tens. I'm going to start off with my honorable mentions. It really, really hurt me to leave this one off, but Touche Amore Lament. Wow. Uh, one of, wow. It's, I would still say it's, it's one of my favorite. It, music has been similar to movies where there's been so much good music this year. Um, it really hurt me to leave Lament off because Touche Amore put out a phenomenal album I would probably say it's my second favorite album from them next to stage four, which was their last release. It, that one just really connected with me. <laughs> Number two in honorable mentions is misery signals, ultraviolet. Uh, nice to see the full lineup back in, back in action. Uh, we have some fucking Greg mixing in this thing. So like Greg mixed this album to, to no end. It's just, it's a solid album. I uh, love Misery Signals Ultraviolet. Number three, Polaris, The Death of Me. is. Uh, these are my honorable, honorable mentions. So, uh, But Polaris, The Death of Me is like probably one of the best metalcore albums of the year. If you're still into that kind of like uh, metalcore that gives you kind of hope and euphoria. Uh, if you're into that kind of like emotional metalcore, Polaris has you covered. And uh, my last two honorable mentions are Greg Puchato, who is the vocalist of the Dillinger escape plan and the vocalist of the black queen. Uh, he released an album called child soldier creator of God phenomenal album. Just, it takes you through a lot of different feelings. Uh, it's, it's not an easy listen from the beginning, but it, uh, it's, it's just a very interesting album. Loved it. And then uh, palm reader sleepless. Those are my honorable mentions. Those are great albums. Sorry for doing so many, you guys. Okay. Here's my number 10. Um, Oh, oh my god, I'm I'm adding another caveat caveat here. Holy Roller by Spirit Box is my favorite song of the year. I think it's like the heaviest hitting song of the year. That song yep. fucking rips. Banger. I think next year, Banger. I think next year Spirit Box is gonna control everyone in terms of heavy music. I think they're it's the year of the far, box. By far the most interesting band to keep an eye out for right now. They are doing some amazing things. Our friend Dylan's been crushing it with their videos. Uh, but they've made it very easy on him by making incredible music as well. Uh, so I love Spirit Box, but also shout out Swayze for saying angry with their EP. Um, that's some of my best friends. I shit on Jesse Swetsky all the time on the show, uh, but he's one of my best friends. And he's the drummer of that band. Uh, Jibs on the bass and vocals, Eric on guitar and vocals and Matt on guitar and vocals. I think they've created a really awesome band. And uh, it's been so fun watching them turn into a really legitimately good band from being kind of a cover pop punk band. Uh, they turn into a very, very solid band. And St. Angry is 
probably my favorite release of the year just because they're my homies. Those are my boys. Uh, so check out Swayze, Saying Angry. Um, number 10, Noya. Through all through fire, all things are renewed. Have either of you guys heard of this band? No, nope. I haven't. All right, they're a band from the UK. They're very melodic, hardcore, alternative. Um, I, I would compare them to bands like Emerosa, but without the creepy vocalist. Um, so it's if you're into that kind of music, uh, I highly recommend listening to Noia. They're spelled N-O-I-J-A. That is their band name. Um, my number nine is Loathe. I let it in and it took everything. Uh, this is one of the best heavy albums of the year. This band has, they were my number one a couple years ago with their album Cold Sun. Uh, that was my favorite release of 2017, I believe. Uh, Loathe, incredible band. Very, They're taking a lot of inspiration from Deftones, which a lot of bands are doing these days. Uh, but Loathe is putting out some incredible music. Number eight, Dance Gavin Dance, Afterburner. I know this band isn't for everyone. I love them. I never listened to them during their Johnny Craig era. I never listened to them during their other vocalist era. Uh, Tillian, their vocalist now, I think he's amazing. And I think Afterburner is probably their second best release they've ever put out. Love that album. Number six, Creeper, Sex, Death, and the Infinite Void uh, is the album. Creeper is like your answer to my chemical romance, like the earlier punker punk days. Also a little bit of Black Parade in there, uh, but they're just a really good goth punk band. Uh, if you're a fan of horror movies, I'm sure you will get some enjoyment out of Creeper. Uh, my number five is End Splinters from an Ever Changing Face, which is one of the heaviest that. units of sound in the entire year. <laughs> I think End uh -huh. is like. They're setting the gold standard for when it comes to like straight up hardcore metalcore music. Uh, they're putting out some of the heaviest hitting songs that there are. I think this album is phenomenal and I can't wait for this pandemic to end so that they can keep on making more end. I uh, love that band. Number four, Deftones, Ohms. Uh, I think it's one of the, the one of the band's best albums in years. I would say it's my favorite since Diamond Eyes. Uh, if you're a fan of Deftones in general, I think this is one of their it's just a phenomenal album. Uh, I can't sing the praises enough. I'm sure Boozy and everyone else has said something about them. So uh, that's Deftones. Number three, Driveways, October Forever. You heard me gush on that episode. I love those guys. I love that band. I love that style of music. It's the style of music that I grew up listening to. Uh, and they turned it into a different sound that just feels right as someone who's 30 years old and still sad. <laughs> they 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 mixed in emo, pop punk, hardcore, and Halloween. So I don't know how else I'm gonna like. The, of course, I'm gonna love the album. Uh, very produced sound, very full sound. They are a studio band. They play some occasional shows, but I thought they put out probably the best pop punk album of the year. Because I didn't lead this off by saying I'm not mentioning Machine Gun Kelly. Yes, Machine Gun Kelly. What? Okay, so I, I'm going to get through my top two, uh, top two after this. So then I'll I'll explain myself. Number two, Svalbard. They are spelled S V A L B A R D. The band is called Svalbard, and the album is called When I Die, Will I Get Better. Uh, this band is a mix of Death Heaven and Defeater, like bands like that. I feel like it's that euphoric death metal sound. Um, it's one of my absolute favorite albums of the year. I think it's so strong. And uh, I definitely recommend people checking that one out. And my number one favorite album of the year is Underneath by Code Orange. And I oh, think that yeah. Code Orange is a band that 
when I first saw, I saw Code Orange Kids, their original lineup uh, at Beaumont, Beaumont Records on 20th Street with there was 15 people there and the place was sold out. <laughs> like I saw them and th- this, this was right after I wrapped the last of us, the first game for the first time. So this was like when the last of us came out, I went home and I played that I finished it. And then I went and saw code orange kids at Beaumont records in this crazy small environment. Amazing. And they were a unit of sound. Then they have pushed all the boundaries as far as it goes to hardcore metal core metal any type of heavy aggressive music that you can figure out code orange is testing it right now i think that they are the they are the answer to slipknot they of course have gained a lot of notoriety for being like they've had Corey taylor feature on a couple of their songs um they're just an unbelievable metal band and i think that every album that they release is so interesting but this is by far the best thing they've ever done it's so technical it's industrial it's hardcore, it's heavy, it's disgusting, it hurts to listen to. Code Orange Underneath is my favorite album of the year. I gotta peep that. Yeah, it's uh, great. It's, it's and then great uh, I, I will just say, obviously, the elephant in the room, everyone knows I've been listening to a lot of Machine Gun Kelly this year. Yes, I have listened to that album a lot. Yes, that should be on my top ten. But anytime that motherfucker opens his mouth and he's not singing, I hate him. <laughs> I can't, I cannot back anything he says. I know that that's you know, it's not right considering me as a film fan. I'm sure I give filmmakers a pass that I wouldn't give MGK. Uh, but I think he's a massive tool. He fucking sucks. I can't stand listening to him. But regardless of what any of us say, he made some of the best pop punk songs in years. And I listened to that album relentlessly this year. It was so much fun. Really enjoyed it. Not giving him a spot on my top 10. I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. But I am admitting I love that album, and it was very solid. Don't think he's going to be able to follow it up, though. That's why I'm leaving. Like, it let's well. just say, speaking of Machine Gun Kelly, uh, Killshot wasn't that good. Man, kill, wait, oh Eminem's yeah. Killshot. Okay, yeah. yeah let, let's spend this last couple minutes because uh, I, so, I had to I, go there. I had I, to go there, I, and I, I don't think either of you have listened to it yet. But so be it. Did an episode on their top ten favorite albums of the year, and one of the hosts said that music to be murdered by. No. And no. Then, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Please, it's it's the please. one host. It's the one host that you don't know at all. So it's not Jeff or John, but even oh, they were like, oh. even they were like, oh my god, <laughs> like we, you can't. Okay, you, no, we have to you, get some background. Okay, on fair this. enough. Fair enough. Eminem so, is dead. Eminem is so, dead. We we've been like in the process of of just getting over. Like we're we're having a funeral for Eminem because we don't want to we don't want to hear about him anymore. No, he's done. <laughs> I don't ever want to even think about Eminem again. I don't really remember exactly, but I think I did cancel him in the cancellation corner at one point. I'm pretty okay. sure I actually did. And I, I found a way to describe each of the bad Nightmare on Elm Street movies to Eminem albums. <laughs> you've been doing that since you've been a part of the show. Is it, Anytime you don't like something, you say, well, this is like the encore era of Eminem. <laughs> it just... It's just such an insane fall from grace to the point where I just can't forgive him. It's and embarrassing, man. Yeah, it's, 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 it's honestly it's embarrassing, embarrassing listening to even Kamikaze is so bad. I, he hasn't released a good album in over a decade. Oh, for sure. And and also yeah. that's coming from we we just finished naming off our albums. I I can say right now that I had like five hip hop albums that I fucking love this year. Some really good hip hop albums. Clipping. Uh, Visions oh, yeah, of, body, visions of burning great. bodies being burned. Great album. So good. 
Um, there, there's been a ton of like Run the Jewels four, uh, which is my least favorite out of all the Run. This is the first time in a top ten that I haven't included a Run the Jewels album, and that's not to say that that album's not amazing because it is. It's just other albums took precedent over it this year for me. Uh, RTJ four is sick. Probably my least favorite they've ever done, though, which is kind of funny since it's like everyone else is losing their mind because they're just discovering RTJ. Right. Uh, well, I mean, they, they're they they're heavy hitters, you know, even their uh, even what they punch under their weight is still better than any, any yeah. anything Eminem's made in a decade. So. Oh, my God. Yeah, dude. <laughs> new Eminem stuff has what, not been good. What was that song I sent you guys? And oh, it was my from, God. Like, it was from 2008, and it had it had Dr. Dre on it, and they were talking about playing putt putt and stuff. And I'm like, guys, how did a, like how did he get away with no, this man. so many Eminem, years ago? It's over. Get... I just can't. Yeah, I but can't do it anymore. Here's the thing, though, man. He he like he's made a career off of being that offensive douchebag, which he killed it at in the first couple of years of him being a musician. The Eminem show is one of the best rap albums ever made. And I don't care anyone says. And same with the the real some shady LP, awesome album. Uh, I I will take them all the way to encore. I would say that there's a couple songs on encore that are extremely problematic, but it wasn't until asked like just that lose where, it, man. Oh, just, just lose it is just yeah. that oh. is that is the moment. Even when I was a child, I knew then. I was like, wait a minute, this oh, can't yeah. be the same person. No, man, I, I, I was like this alternate reality where he just put out the Eminem show and then was like, there it is, and then retired. That's yeah. the reality I'm in. Could I remember. Not, that, I remember yeah. even even when the Eminem show came out, I ignored without me. Which is number song? It's that's, number that's ten. That's not even that. that bad. No, but it still was it's bad. It's a for sign me. of things to come. Yeah, right. like I think the the last good like funny Eminem al- song was the real Slim Shady. <laughs> Just a long time ago. It's a long I, time. I don't ago. know. It's, and I still I funny can't rap is not a great. I don't know anymore. Funny rap. It's just, I'm over it. There's I'm over really it. good funny rap out there. Lil Dicky is crushing yeah. it. No, no, no. That's he's that's the only fine, one. Though. But like Eminem's not funny. I don't. No. I don't like. I don't fuck with Dicky. Is is it because of the Chris Brown thing? Yeah, I don't fuck. If you okay, associate, that... I'm out of here. And <laughs> I I, uh, I accept that. I accept that, and I'm totally on your side. That I would think that normally, if I didn't know the story behind it. But uh, yeah, little Dick, little Dicky is a talented rapper, but he should not have done that. This <laughs> is awkward. <laughs> Either way, you guys, we're done this. We're done. What an excellent way to end it. Yeah, (laughs) really fun episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you stuck around until the end. This is definitely our longest episode in a while. If you Um, do, make sure to smash. If you do, make sure to smash that motherfucking like button. Yeah, please get it in, pal. Rate and review. Yeah. There. Yeah. All right, boys. Well, it's been a great year. I'm so excited for what's to come in 2021. Uh, thank you guys so much for being a part of this. Thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time on the Terror Table. <laughs>